I think the only reason I go pee anymore is so I can uh, tell people what's happening on Twitter. <laughs> what did we do in the past? Stare at the wall? Welcome to Sneaky Dragon. I'm Ian Boothby. Cliffhangers. I'm David Dedrick. And sus. Pants. That's what we offer you. <laughs> Cliffhangers and suspense. And suspenders. Yeah. Uh, Dave was saying that he doesn't do uh, this uh, thing, which is which which we used to do, is we would uh, get some silence in the room, and uh, it was a it's just a thing you do when you're recording. Well, we used little, to uh, silence. We used to do the show on a very very noisy in the road. middle of the street, <laughs> pretty much in the middle of the street. It sounded yeah. like it. If you ever listen to the show without, um, if you listen to like a sample of that show without, <laughs> the, yeah, it was very noisy. It was a constant. Yeah, yeah you son of a bitch. It was like <laughs> road. those sort of sounds are harder to get rid of. But the con- yeah, this the hum. You, I'm the mayor. The- <laughs> Oh, fuck you! I don't care if you're the mayor. Get out of the fucking street. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why we recorded in the mayor's office. <laughs> well, why is his week? office in the middle of the street? That's the problem. <laughs> I like how because last our mayor week I was, was doing car noises. It's their turn this week. Yeah, because our mayor is very middle of the road, and he mm. proved it by literally having his office in the middle of the street. It all made sense. <laughs> what I was gonna, what I was going to say was yep. like uh, your safety thing that you would do. You said like uh, before the. Oh, it's so quiet here yeah. in the new Hellcase Studios. Yes, it is. But uh, today we had uh, a vacuum uh, er come in, uh, <laughs> cleaned all the vacuumy pipes, the dryer pipes, the, okay. all those things. Okay. Sure. And uh, and now yeah. the now uh, our vents are loud. They're oh, very loud. They they, they lost that uh, the insulation of blockages. I guess so. Or you know he didn't know what he was doing. I'm not sure. One of the two. Mm, mm. Uh, every. St- Step of the way was this. Oh, oh, what? Well, where's the dryer? Oh, okay. Well, where's your plugs? They're there. Okay. Do you think they'll have enough juice for this? I don't know. You have an H25, you know, filter sister. I don't know. I know nothing. Uh, we we ended up having to like just take all these wires around the whole place. The only plug that would work for his super vacuum cleaner was the one that was behind the dryer, which is like uh, yeah. up high. And it's a be like a two hundred twenty volt. Yeah, so we had to do that, and he was like, "Oh, will the plug be long enough?" <laughs> I don't know. Do you have an extension cord? Like, has this never come up? Is this the first house that this has been in? Like, any of these are a problem? And at the end of it, he was trying to convince us to get a new kind of system, the filter system, because this system, he doesn't understand it. And I'm like, well, that start with that. You don't understand it. So then we turn on the heat after he leaves and bang, bang, boom, boom. Oh, boy. So if that may turn on at some point, that's all I'm saying. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Because it sounds great. Yeah, I did a lot of heavy lifting this morning. A lot of, uh, well, can you can you push your dryer out of the way? I don't know. I've never tried. I remember when we first moved in here, there was a towel behind there, and the landlord was just like, we have no idea how to get that out. You're, you Basically, you get that towel. You, you can keep it. Really? They, like, yeah. It was just too much trouble to get that towel. Huh. So I got a free towel out of it. You did get it out. I, I was did. a challenge. Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. I did get the towel yeah, out, yeah. but I've never like pulled out the dryer all the way before. But I did today because I was asked to, 
And so I did. Nice. And then, uh, you know, it, it all uh, it all did a thing. We did a thing. But it was like a, an early, early morning, so I'm very, very tired. So I'm going to pull a Dave, and I may actually fall asleep during the uh, podcast. We may be the, uh, Hey, listen, could this be the podcast yeah. we both fall asleep during? Could, that could be it. That could be it. Last night, I, last night I, you know, I sat down. I don't know what time it was. After dinner, anyway. Uh, and Lisa said, oh, do you want to watch TV? And I said, well, I'm just going to read for a little bit. And then I promptly fell asleep. And then I woke up at 9.30 and she was <laughs> gone to bed. So I lied. <laughs> I didn't read for a little bit. I didn't read at all. And we didn't watch any television. Although I did watch a bit of um, Dark Shadows after because I needed to finish off my notes. So is this a Dark Shadows week or not? This is Dark Shadows week. Okay, very good. All right. Yeah. So the weeks you host are non-Dark Shadows week. Yes. The, ho- the weeks you do not host are, are Dark Shadows week. Because, okay. you know, hosting the show is a lot of heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. You do a lot of pro- pre-show prep. Sure. And combining that with Dark Shadows was just too much for me. It's entirely too much. I understand. Thank you. I understand. I'm not a good not get a sleeper person. You're sorry. Wait, say that again. I'm not sleeper good, bad, don't get enough. <laughs> Talk words hard. Uh, but there you go. I've been, I mean, I've, been sleeping, I've been sleeping bad for like months, but this was like a genuine, oh, got to get up. Uh, and it was one of these things where like there were certain things I'd have to do. Uh, where it was this special kind of cleaning that I have to, but I'd have to only do it at the last second. It's the only way it would work. Uh, and I was like, oh, so just had all these dreams about doing it and dreams about doing it and dreams about doing it. Then I woke up and they did it. Nice. Now I'm like uh, five times as tired from having done it in my dreams. Understandable. Yeah. It's like when you would dream that you go to school and you wake up and you have to go to school and you go like, no, I went to school in my dreams. <laughs> this counts. This counts. <laughs> Unfair. I think I just, uh, I'm, I am... Not willing to give up on my sleep, sleep, my sleep times. Even though I'm getting up an hour earlier, I still want to stay up to the regular time I was staying before. I haven't like moved my going to bed time back an hour, so I'm still going to bed at like midnight or later and getting up at five. So that kind of hits me at, in the evenings. Also, it does depend. Like I was a really busy day at work yesterday. Yeah. So I uh, was tired from a lot of physical this and that. So uh, yeah, then you uh, come home and. Make dinner, and then you do a little clean cleaning up, laundry and whatnot, and dishes, and then you go, ah, I can sit down now and have a... <laughs> I'm going to make a... I'm pred- at that age. I'm going to make a prediction about the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, mark my words. That's a segment that okay. we've got now called Mark <laughs> My Words. Say that one more time. Mark my words. No, no, more more dramatically. Mark my words? I'm saying this to a person named Mark. And tell him it's now for time for a segment called My Words. Okay. Mark my words. Um, here's what I think is going to happen in the future is uh, someone is going to develop the technology. We all about are here. You could put like a chip in your head and it'll do this, that, and the other, yeah. such and such and such. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be, at some point, some billionaire will commission this and it will happen. Yeah. It'll be the new Facebook, which is uh, they will let you control your dreams. Basically, it will be something that you will take either... It'll be like a little chip that you'll put in your head or it'll okay. be something, but you will lucid dream. And so you can control your dreams every night. And it'll start off with like, listen, it's for people who are depressed. We're going to give them more optimistic yeah, yeah. dreams and they're going to feel yeah. better. It's mm-hmm. the people who are feeling this. We're going to like take away this, uh, the night terrors that they have. Sure. So it'll be very positive. Yeah. But then it'll be like almost direct control where like you can program the type of dreams you sure. want at night. Sure. And then we'll have that. And then the idea of just letting yourself just have a random dream that could go anywhere and could turn into a nightmare Mm. and you could be eaten by a dragon would just be so horrific that no one would go for that. So they'll all go with the, 
programmable dreams yeah. and then we'll be fucked. It would just be porn. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> well, take a look at the internet. Yeah. It was going to change going to change the world. Yeah. I mean, it has changed the world. But it has changed the world for sure. It's just changed the porn delivery system. So it has changed. Well, it's not going <laughs> so it to change the, the world. Yeah, I almost think like, I don't, you see, okay. Like the idea of pornography, the idea of that is like you're looking at a screen yeah. or, you know, even if it's VR or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you're doing sure. that thing. That's fine and fine yeah. and fine. But you're duplicating or replicating as best you can an experience that is uh, possible in real life for, for the most part. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. Um, you, know, you may have fantasies that you couldn't do in real life and blah, blah, blah. But I think like dreams, you could do so much that it'll make reg- anything that you would do in regular life uh, just be get out of here. Sex? I like your optimism. Oof. No, I don't think it's optimism. No, it's not. I think it's negative. I think it's negative. I think it's something that we'll uh, be so addicted to. And uh, it's just this random element that we've got that we'll uh, throw away control of and uh, or for control. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, doom mankind. There we go. <laughs> well, okay, great. What's going what's gonna to get us? Is it going to be climate? Nope. What's going to be? Is it going to be the singularity? Nope. It's going to be we're going to control our dreams and then we'll be screwed. Why do you think that would be? Because we will then not have the random creative element. We will control that aspect and it will be a closed loop. Mm. And you will not generate uh, uh, enough enough things uh, spontaneously uh, to move forward. We will be stuck and basically that will be the end of our intellectual evolution. <laughs> well, that's possible. Yeah. Um. If not, uh, then people will control the dreams and, you know, be sponsored dreams. and <laughs> That would be terrible. Yeah. I think ads. I don't, I don't think I would do it. That's a Futurama thing. There's ads and dreams. It would be a waste of money for me. How so? I just don't remember, remember my dreams, so I just wouldn't, can't see the point of I'd it. I'd be very curious if one day you went to a hypnotist and the hypnotist <laughs> okay. let you remember these dreams. Let me remember the dreams? Okay. Yeah. Do you, do you ever have a thing, though, while you're going to sleep where you remember the dreams just before you go to sleep? No. Okay. I do not. I can like lucid dream. I can like create like uh, words or image like landscapes, or whatever Im- image scapes my mind. Right. And just sort of like be like flying through those or whatever before I fall asleep. But I don't remember dreams. Hmm. Okay. I mean, I do sometimes. It just depends. Do you wake up uh, feeling a certain way, as in like uh, feeling uh, happy or feeling scared? Or feeling something, and it's not because of something that's in real life. It's in something that you dreamt. You don't remember the dream, but you do have the feeling when you wake up. Or do you just wake up the same way? Well, you'd have to ask other people. I would say that... The other I, people you share your bed with. Exactly. As a polygamist. <laughs> well, I meant to share the house with. As other people have to deal with you when you get up. Um, but I'm a pretty... I don't have... like I'm not a grumpy morning person. Like, I'm not a grumpy person. Uh-huh. I'm not a grumpy person regularly, but I'm not, I don't wake up in the morning, I'm not all kind of... Which of the dwarves would you say you are? I got to have the, my coffee. <laughs> um, I would dopey, obviously. But I'm, sne- I'm sneezy. Yeah? You wake up sneezing? Uh, no, or I just... Or you just sneeze a lot? I sneeze a couple of times a day. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I'd say enough that I would call myself sneezy. Yeah. Maybe not now that I've had the Vans vacuum. We'll see I guess I'm more happens. dark. I wear glasses. Yeah, that is true. That is a very dark thing to do. Yeah. That puts me in the dark category. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't... Yeah, I don't really feel like I, my mood is shift shifts with my dreams or anything. Okay. I don't. Uh, I just wake up in the morning in like a confused state because some, there's some ringing noise that's making making noise across the room, and I have to like stumble out of bed and find my phone, and then I turn it off, and then I'm like, oh yeah, morning. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Again. Shit. Uh, yeah, to, uh, we've talked about this before, but yeah, I find like five in the morning. It's not so bad at my age now, but when I was younger, 
and working in kind of sort of what I guess felt like kind of like dead end jobs. Getting up at so early was really depressing. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. If I woke up at seven to go to the same job, I didn't feel this that way. But working up at five, I felt really blue. But I don't really feel that way now. So I don't know. I just find it strange that uh, we start each day uh, staggering and confused. <laughs> like there's, there's some mornings I do get up and I'm just like I'm stumble bumming yeah, yeah. To, the, to the bathroom mm-hmm. to like just pour water on my face or whatever. Yeah. And just go like, I do this every day. <laughs> like every day of my life was this. That's so weird. It is. You know? It's weird that feeling like... You've been lying down for however long, five hours, let's say. And then you get up and it's like your body's like, whoa, you're tall. <laughs> What's going on? Why is your head up here? I don't know what to do. Yeah. So then you're like, I kind of like, I'll, I'll like, I'll overcompensate and sort of bump into the wall because I'm like trying to like walk sure. normally, but I can't. My body's not quite there yet. It's still kind of like, whoa, I'm, I'm used to laying down. This is weird. This is kind of like you, you're up all day. Like I am. If you know, I know we're supposed to sleep like I, we're supposed to sleep more than we are awake. I don't understand how that works. Anyway, no, we're we don't. supposed to sleep more than we're. That awake. That doesn't make sense. What am I talking no. about? We're supposed to have eight hours sleep, so that's less than. That's yeah, what some people say. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's to scratch that. But still, most of the day you're you're walking around. You're not laying down all day long. Your no. your body should be used to be you being upright. But it's such a surprise to you in the morning when you wake up. It's just kind of like, whoa. Yeah, you figure your body should have figured out mornings so you far. You are tall. That's what my head says to me when I get up. Mine's just, this is, oh, what? What's happening? <laughs> like, I shouldn't be confused by this process. Like, it should just go like, yeah, you get it, right? You've done this. You mm-hmm. know how this goes. It should immediately be like, mm-hmm, yeah, all right, just go get a shower. You're going to be fine. It's all fine. Instead of, what? what is that door work? What's happening? <laughs> What's going on? It doesn't matter, you know, if we've got enough sleep or not enough sleep. Yeah. It's still just a, just a friggin' mess in the morning. Mm-hmm. For sure. I remember how well, we didn't look at the internet in the morning before? What the hell did we do? I don't look Pick at the internet. I actually don't look at the internet at all. Yeah, I do look at the newspaper. I don't really do the internet in the morning. Do you have like a regular, you, do you have a regular rising time or is it just like depends on what, this depends on the day? Uh, dep- usually depends on the day, but about... Uh, probably around 11 if things are working out okay. Pia has a regular job that she does from home. So she gets up at, uh, 9.30, usually 9, 9.30. And, uh, and sometimes I'll, I'll get up with her and I'll make her a breakfast or something and then I'll go back to sleep or I'll, I'll, uh, stupidly start the day. And then, oh boy, <laughs> do I pay the price for that? Like three hours in where it's just like, ugh, then just completely collapse. That's what I'm like right now is like I had to do the early, early thing. Yeah. So like, you know, my body's now going, hey, where's where's the nap? What's <laughs> yeah, going on? Yeah. You know, you owe me a nap. But uh, no, no dice. Oh, by the way, I found out something interesting, too. Oh. We got a, a balcony upstairs, right? Which mm-hmm. is nice. Yeah. Uh, um, so I, I learned that uh, when you shut the balcony door, uh, you lock yourself out. Didn't know that. Oh, you lock yourself on the, yeah, ba- yeah. On the balcony? Yeah, I had keys. Uh, tried using them. Oh, you know what? Keys don't work. Mine on that door at all. <laughs> does it, it does have like a keyed entry. Like sure does. Theoretically... Theoretically, if you had a key for that, Mm. like, I don't know, maybe the last person who uh, lived here has still, (laughs) uh, then you could, like, say, come into my house. Mm. 
um, you know, like the person who lived here before me could probably still do. Hmm. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it out loud and not happy with that. But I had to uh, send my wife like a message and just like, uh, help. Let me, let me out. I was trapped out there with the cat and the cat and was really said, freaking out. And she out. said, new phone, who dis? I hope. <laughs> no, she was just confused by it. Like, <laughs> trapped on the balcony. Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't make any sense. I'm trapped on a balcony with the cat. You know, uh, please let me yeah. let me in, and it just made no sense. She thought it was the like you made a note for a for a possible sketch. You know, well, I think about the amount of times now that her and I have been out on the balcony, and if we had shut the door, we mm-hmm. would have both been locked out, mm-hmm. and uh, that would have been shitty. Yeah, yeah, shitty, 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 bang, bang. <laughs> that classic, classic movie. Yeah, about a septic removal truck that mm-hmm. flies. Hey, low, shitty, shitty, bang, bang, shitty, bang, we'll clean you. Hey, why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have a pretty pretty regular routine when I wake up in the morning. And I mean, I wake up the same time every day except for weekends. Mm-hmm. So I wake up at 5, exactly at 5. And I have 15 minutes to do all my my morning chores, which is just the pet stuff. So I get up, stand confusedly at the kitchen counter, yeah, then get the dog food going, take that downstairs, Feed the dogs, pee, come feed, back. To feed the dogs both the same stuff? No, Boo, because Boo's very old. Boo is yeah. 16, and his teeth are, his chompers aren't chomping yeah, so good anymore. Yeah. So he gets soft, like, canned dog food. Uh, Albert still gets, uh, like, a kibble, so. It's so. a live squirrel. <laughs> Kibble's a live squirrel? Yeah, it's just a live squirrel named yeah. Kibbles. He has to, he has to try, you name try and it catch every, it. You name it every day. He has to try and catch You're it. You're the new Kibbles. <laughs> and then I let them out. Then I go back, and then I feed... Risa, get Risa's food together and feed her. And then uh, then I go back outside and I bring the dogs in. I get the paper, then bring the dogs in. Then I go upstairs and then I read the paper in the morning. Uh, I always read yesterday's paper because our delivery person never gets the paper to us before I leave the house. So, oh. yeah, it's a little annoying to read because I'll be at work and people will be like, tell me some interesting fact, you know, from the news. And I'll be like, oh, interesting. And then I'll be reading the paper in the morning. I'll be like, I'll be reading that article. Yeah. I'll be like, oh, this, that is sort of called, oh, there's a whistleblower talking about the Uyghurs, about the torture, you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I heard that, you know, I was like, oh, how come I didn't read that in the paper? And then it was in the paper. I just didn't see it because it, I thought you were the one who was like telling uh, news stories. They're like as fresh as yesterday. I'm like, that yeah. person died. What? <laughs> no, they were hopeful and everything was going to be great. And they were going to go fight the thing. Yeah. And they died. They didn't. Yeah, he, he turned out he couldn't fight a tiger. <laughs> well, it's not that newspapers are much, I'm not going to say they're faster than like the internet, but they're pretty, you know, for most of the major stories that you're going to hear about, they're pretty much same day. Yeah. Like it had an article about the woman who revealed like Facebook's uh, nefarious double dealings with human beings and, yeah. and an article there. And that I heard that the day before. So that was it. And then they had a review of uh, the new James Bond film on a, in a Wednesday paper, which I thought was hmm. interesting. So then I was like, <laughs> I'll put that aside because I would like to read. I do like that reviewer, so I'd like to read it. Okay. I just feel like the, I re- read it the review the would basically be, you've seen the James Bond movie, right? Yeah. That's it. That's, that's what it well, is. you say that, but there's, there's levels of James Bond films. Like, mm, sure. you're not going to say, you've seen James Bond movies. You like Casino Royale. You're going to like Quantum of Solace. No, you're not. Hey, maybe you will. <laughs> maybe I don't know. If you it's have no a, standards, yeah, okay. You know, if you like a, if you just want to, want a little bit more of that. You, all right. You want, there you go. If you want a donut that has all the icing, if you, you know, a, a, stuck to the bag. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like a donut that's going to put six six uh, donuts of icing on top of it. That's what the quantum of solace is. Okay. Know? 
But and then you drink a quart of oil. It's not that it's the movie's fault. There was a writer's strike. There was no script for the film. Literally no script. It was just a outline that the writers gave to the producers and like, here you go. Got to go on strike now. And they're like, okay, we're going to make a movie. And then they're like, this is easy. We don't need writers. We'll just make it up as we go along. We'll just have like Daniel Craig write his own dialogue, which is what they did. Wow. And then they're like, oh, we can't think of what to do. So let's just have a lots of action scenes. And we'll just have action scenes for no reason. They don't push anything forward because we'll just have like people talking and telling each other what's happening in between the action scenes. This will be great. <laughs> no, no, I won't. But anyway. Um, Feels like the scene one, I'd have someone punches James Bond in the throat. And he just can't talk through the thing. Like, oh, oh that, yeah, that'd be. Yeah. Boom! No, no. They, it opens where Casino Royale ends. Yeah. And you're like, oh, man, this is going to be great. And you're like, oh, well, how wrong I was. <laughs> it's been disappointing. So this is going to be. No one knows what's going on. Yes. It'll be weird. Either it'll go one of two ways. One, it'll wrap up everything Mm -hmm. sort of from Casino Royale and like wrap up the, you know, the character who's the big bad from everything. Or it won't. And either way. eh. (laughs) You're talking about No Time to Die? Uh, Yeah. 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 But I I mean. Let me just say something real quick. Yeah. I was watching uh, the new CSI yesterday. Uh, CSI Vegas. Used to be called CSI. Is this the new one? But it still has like William Peterson and. Right? Like yeah. it still has like sure. the people who Yeah. Those, Georgia, whatever her name two, was. Yeah, the two leads. So. Oh, just the just the two. Yeah. They didn't bring back uh the Mark. The, the, the old boss is like floating around. Um but okay. but here's the thing. So we're so I'm watching it and I'm watching like five minutes of it. Okay. And Sarah Seidel shows up and she's you know, she's there and she's doing her thing. Yeah. And I just turn to Pia and just go like William Peterson's not gonna be in this. It's not. Nope. You know what's going to happen? Whole damn thing's going to go. You're going to introduce all the characters. And the very final scene, the camera's going to pan over to William Peterson. He's going to be sitting there. And he's going to go, let's get started. That's what he's going to do. That's what it's going to do. And I can't watch it because it's going to be that. It's going to be that. He's yeah. just going to have one fucking line. That's all he's going to say. And it's like, it's showtime. It's going to be something. It's going to be something <laughs> like, here we go. It's going to be one of those. Like, God damn it. It's like clear from this first five minutes. This is what it's going to be. There's no way they're going to introduce, have him do anything to this whole thing. And it's so frustrating. And I was like, I should, I should, and I said to her, I was going like, uh, I'll just start it on the fourth episode when they're just doing their thing and they don't have to do this nonsense because mm-hmm. that's what it's going to be. And, uh, and then we decided, ah, we'll just watch it. And sure as shooting, pal. <laughs> Very final line is just camera pans over to William Peterson. We follow the evidence. Yeah, and the other thing—they didn't do that, did they? Because that was not—that was not no. a CSI thing. No, though. they didn't. Uh, they, they did. We'll follow. We follow the yeah, evidence, and it was who are you? Hoot, 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 hoot. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever. Here was the other thing that bugged me about it, and then we'll get to the thing because I just get this out of my system. <laughs> there was a, there was a thing earlier on where okay. someone comes in and is asking, "So who do you think did this? Who?" And I was like, "Oh, now's the time to kick in that kick in the who are you?" Because it kept saying who over and again. Yeah. Here it comes. Nope. <laughs> like well now's the time you yeah. just said it over and over no. and over again now's the only time to do it like any time that you do it afterwards won't make sense and like about five minutes later they run the credits and you're just like shut up <laughs> now's not at all the who time <laughs> okay hmm. but, but but anyway uh, uh james bond and the reviewer that you like <laughs> well i just just i thought that was sort of interesting i just thought it was interesting that it was on a wednesday because normally sure. his reviews are on friday his reviews appear on friday and he'll review movies in the theater, and he'll review movies that are streaming or on Netflix and stuff like that as well, which I like. I like that he does that, and I enjoy his sense of humor. Oh, can you say whose name is? Uh, Chris 
Chris Knight. All right. From uh, from Brady Bunch. Christopher Knight. Yes, yeah. that's right. Peter from Brady Bunch. He's, uh, I think he's obviously, he's probably Ontario-based in his uh, his life. And he, uh, yeah. Uh, while we were talking about that, I thought to myself, there must be a James Bond random title generator. Oh. There can't not be. Why not? Oh, they, it just can't not exist. In the same way that William Peterson can't say, uh, not only he's all going to say one line. This has to exist. It does exist. That show was really good for two years. Yeah, CSI. Then it wasn't good anymore. No. What was good about it is that it was just about the job, mm-hmm. and I like that a lot. I didn't like when they started to try and make it more about the pe- people, and then it's the inevitable thing. Like they also did a lot on that TV show Criminal Minds, which I wasn't, I never really watched, but it was popular in, in my family unit. So. I, you know, through osmosis, I, I was aware of it, but it just felt like every single character on Criminal Minds at one point got kidnapped by a, a crazy person yeah. and had to get saved by yeah. the rest of the people. Fucking serial killer. Every hey, single one. Yeah, of them. and CSI when the guy gets buried alive and they got to find him. It's just like, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, the, just, okay. The short haired guy. Yeah. And again, with this one, you just see all the people and go, like, here's the parallel character for that. And of course, everyone's gorgeous. And you're like, <laughs> okay, it's fine. Uh, there's, um, yeah, there was the miniature killer or whatever he was, a toy yeah. toy doll. I don't remember what he's called now, but you know what I mean. He would, it's a silliness. You don't like a super genius. I don't like people. I don't like serial killers who have an Etsy page. It just seems weird to me. Yeah. Like it's just a lot of waste of time. And it feels like before you could get, they get anything done. Someone's going to walk in. Like you think you'd be like, have like a sense of like efficiency and like do the job and get out of there. Not spend like two hours setting up like a tableau. <laughs> This feels like that's the opposite of like a good criminal. That was the weird thing about Elementary. We we binge watched Elementary. Mm. We watched like one a night for quite a while. Okay, and they all the these setups like you know this is the greatest criminal genius of all time. Oh, what's going to happen here? And it's like oh this person. Okay, well this person is like a, a, a serial killer, but, but but he's friends with Sherlock Holmes. But Sherlock Holmes doesn't know that. Like what's going to happen? And you you think there's going to be a big climax of all this stuff? There never is. The really? character like gets almost always gets killed off camera or something or something. It just like they just get bored and throw all the dolls <laughs> on the floor, and then something else happens. And yeah. just like, yeah. all right, well, what happens now? Well, I've, things have gotten so bad, I've got to change my identity, and now I'm Johnny Fake Name, and uh, I've got to be this. And it's like, oh, how will Johnny Fake Name in the next one? Yeah, I didn't feel like being Johnny Fake Name anymore, so now I'm just this again. Oh, how'd you get away with it? Uh, you know, this way. Oh, I guess that's right. <laughs> hey, who's that? That's the paper boy. Okay, well, I, I'm going to befriend him, and I'm going to make him a new detective. And it's like, oh, no, he's got a bad history, and oh, no, no, it's all bad. And I think I would happen. I just left. His mom said he had to go home. Not the end. <laughs> that's basically what the show was. Bored writers. Yeah. We're all moving to blah, 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 blah. Oh, that looks really interesting. Hey, you can never go home again. Oh, well, that's too bad. Hey, why do you go, why'd you go home? Uh, yeah, I just uh, had some stuff to do. Why is all your stuff still at home? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then the final episode, they just rush every plot together and just like fast forward. and It's all fine. It's fine. But it did have a finale, though. It, does have, it did have a finale. Yeah. I like that it shows have finales. I was thinking, we were talking about the, someone was talking about the movie The Fugitive today mm-hmm. at work. And I was thinking about the TV show. Sure. Which... Which I thought was, I watched it when I had cancer. So I like, I watched the complete run of it. It was on every day. And so I just watched like all three seasons or whatever it was of this show, which Lisa pointed out to me was a Ford show. I didn't realize that because that, they, all the cars were Ford cars. Oh, okay. So different 
uh, automobiles would sponsor, like secretly sponsor a show by having all their cars in the show. So that was a tribute to it in the movie. Oh, is there a Ford in them? Yeah. Harrison Ford. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's very good. So uh, I was just thinking just how good it was that it had an ending. You know, that they had like a planned, mm-hmm. you know, even if it had taken them four years instead of three years, let's say, they still had like an ending in mind. So when it got to the point where people were like, well, we're going to wind the show up, they're like, okay, well, we've got an ending to, we can do. You know, and I like that. I like that it ended, not that it just kind of fizzled out. My, uh, you, know, you know, my, yeah, I've done this in a sketch that you liked. But it would be kind of interesting, like, because he's a doctor, right? Mm-hmm. And just like, and after that, the next season is just a medical drama with him <laughs> yeah. just doing medical things. And every so often yeah. people go, just go like, what? You look familiar. <laughs> yeah, I was on the news for a while. What happened? I was a fugitive. My wife was killed. One-armed man. Like, oh, my God. That's really interesting. I know. We don't have time for that now, though. We've got to save the patient. And it just, just never wants to talk about it. <laughs> this is part of his life. He doesn't just, yeah. yeah. By the way, if, uh, if, if the fugitive was a little bit older, and hell, it might even work now anyway, mm. uh, what someone would have to do is do the prequel, which is the prequel is the story of how the one-armed man lost his arm. And it would be the one-armed man is somewhat sympathetic, and he didn't want to be a bad guy, and got mm. got brought into the mob or something, and you know reluctantly, reluctantly, and but through the whole thing was talking about how I love throwing pitch with my my, my boy, I love throwing things, yeah. boy, I love lifting my kids above my head with my <laughs> arm, boy, I love my arm so much, and then you know his push comes to shove he's got to do something to save his family and he loses his arm and then uh, ends up uh, i'll just do one score one score i just got to kill this one lady and then it's all over it's back to my family it's back to my family and then uh, he goes to kill the lady and comes back like where's my family they left you they left you oh no no maybe i can talk to her no they got on a train the train went off a cliff no not not, oh no oh well anyway and now the doctor's (laughs) after him Wow. Yeah. How about if it uh, reveals that Mike is the one-armed man from Twin Peaks, Mike the one-armed man? Yeah, I guess that was a tribute, eh? Maybe. <laughs> it feels like it. I don't know. I don't know at all. I have to ask David Lynch, and he's not going to tell you. Mm-hmm. He's not going to tell you. Maybe he will. Maybe there'll be just a thing, you know, at his funeral where just like, play the video, here's all the spoilers, <laughs> and then they just explain it all. You know, Dale was the one who killed her. What? <laughs> yeah. Dale was the one who killed her. and Impossible. Yeah. Also, Wyndham Earl, he did none of those crimes. That was all Dale as well. <laughs> Wyndham Earl was just trying to clear his good name. How dare you besmirch Dale Cooper? <laughs> dare you, sir? I'm shocked. Shocked, I tell you. Maybe one of those alternate universe Dales, perhaps. Yeah. There's a lot of Dales in that. <laughs> so many Dales. <laughs> all right. I'm going to give you uh, a James Bond title. Okay. Uh, just randomly? Yeah, make it good. Diamond Heart. Not bad. All right. Maybe you'd prefer Time to Kill Yesterday. <laughs> I do like that one better. Okay. Well, we've got time for one more. Okay. That's not good. Ah. License to Love Tomorrow. <laughs> sure. Casino of Gold. Casino of Gold. Pretty good. Skyman. The Man Who Killed Enough. <laughs> That's like that's like the that's like a foreign market translation of one of his movies. That is good. I like that. <laughs> the Spy Who Loved Me in North America, The Man Who Killed Enough. Yes. In Singapore. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. I like that name. All right, just do one more note. All right, one one more time. Okay. To just, get that kind just, of gold. Just three more. Uh, <laughs> instructed to fail. <laughs> Orders to live last. <laughs> I the two, okay. Permit fail. Oh, instructed to fail. That's such a great title. 
I just wish that like <laughs> the man with the gold thunder. <laughs> <laughs> they should they should have to like when they're writing the next James Bond film is like just take one of those titles and then have to like construct a film around it. Yeah. Instructed to fail. Oh man, that's, that's I'm good. not seeing enough variations on octopusy here. <laughs> <laughs> what if that didn't get put in there? Diamond pussy. I know. You did, diamond. Yeah, that's a problem. The man who shot forever. <laughs> Skyballs. Skyballs is pretty good. That's good. Skyballs. Yeah. All I know is if you've got a facial scar, James Bond is going to kill you. For he hates people with any facial deformities. One person. Well, there's the guy with the diamond faces from uh, uh, that uh, Pierce Brosnan one. There's uh, the, the what? Guy the guy what? Sorry, what? With the diamonds in his face. Oh, because they get like exploded into his face. Yeah. Oh, okay. Got the explodey face. Yeah. And it looks like the guy in this uh, latest one. He's but got the reason that happens bush. is because he's already like a bad guy. He's not like a good guy that then decides he's going to be bad after he gets diamonds. Oh, no. I'm, just, I'm not saying. There's lots of bad people in the world. But okay. James Bond will only like go after you. Okay. Got facial problems. So if you're like, if, if you were like me, it's like a perfect face. Yeah. Beautiful. beautiful. I'm, I'm not going to have to worry yeah, at all. You're like a beauty puss. That's what they call it. <laughs> That's right. What did, uh, what did the sandwich guy call you again? What was uh, his nickname for you? Uh, cute, cute boy. Cute boy. That's right. Yeah. You, well, that sounds more like you're a sidekick. <laughs> sounds like a, it sounds like your yeah, cute like boy would be like. with, you know, uh, yeah. Dr. Mister or whatever. And Dr. Mister says, cute boy. I'm like, yes, sir. And then you've got a gimmick. <laughs> yes. A hook for a hand. Like you th- a hook for your hand. I would say you throw your glasses. Oh, okay. Maybe or something like that. <laughs> that seems such a, it seems that's a weird weapon like that you would blind yourself. You know, with one mm. one throw, and then you're like totally helpless. Right? Did you ever have braces or anything like that? Nope. <sighs> well, I mean, you used to do that thing where you would set your hair on fire. I, know I would you, say that. Could I know be you possible. love that. You could you like set your hair on fire yeah. and just grab chunks of your hair, yeah. and then throw the fireballs of your hair at James <laughs> Bond. Sure. Yeah. Cute boy. Come here. Let your hair on fire. <laughs> but it burns. <laughs> yes. Good job, cute boy. Oh, that's too addictive. I've got to. I'm not. I'm not closing the screen, but I am walking away from it. <laughs> Just enough clicking. At on. any moments. At any moments of uh, you know, uh, where we run out of things to say. All right. I'll, uh, I'll well, let's let's now construct the film. Instructed to fail. <laughs> Cold open. Instructed to fail. Yeah. Okay. Well, you got to have the um, that uh, little circle looking around first of all. It yeah. doesn't know what to focus on. It looks like attention deficit disorder. <laughs> Wait, that's that comes after the cold open. We need the cold open first. Wait, the cold open. Doesn't the cold open? Is the cold open like straight on? We don't do the yeah. thing around. Oh, I'm pretty okay. sure. I'm pretty sure that, that comes after the cold open, and then that then that goes into the titles. Okay, then uh, open on Morocco. Okay, open on Morocco. Sure. And uh, and someone is feeding a, a, a little monkey a date. Someone's right. feeding a monkey a date. I know this yeah. is Indiana Jones. But they're feeding a monkey a date, yeah. and then the monkey reaches uh, behind him and uh, pulls out uh, a, a coin. Okay. Okay, and yeah. gives the guy a coin, mm. and the coin, and the and the guy waves at the monkey, and the monkey waves back at the guy, and they go off. And then the uh, guy takes the coin yeah. and slips it into someone's pocket. And the person with the coin in the pocket goes into a casino and is playing a slot machine, puts yeah. the thing into a slot machine, pulls pulls down the handle, and then it explodes because the coin was explosive. I see. It was a bomb. The I, coin was a I, bomb. I, I got it. I got it. It wasn't a normal coin. That's right. And the and everyone is uh, screaming except for the one guy who slipped him the coin. Yeah. And he slowly turns. Yeah. And he looks like very calm and then calmly walks along. Yeah. Right. So that's the that's the start of okay. that bit. Okay. okay. Go ahead. Continue on. <laughs> 
<laughs> so we have to have James Bond in this part of the film, though. Cause it, well, you got to see where James, where's, what's James Bond doing. I mean, it's a casino. There's no reason why James Bond ain't around. <laughs> it's not hard to get All right. There. So James Bond is in the casino. He's playing this confusing game, uh, Banco. And everyone keeps saying Banco. And you're watching and you're going mm-hmm. like, well, why are they playing with these giant plastic chips? And what does this mean? Is this like dominoes? No, it's Banco. What Banco, what does this mean? Why, why did they say that? I don't understand what's happening. And then he sees that guy. Right. Moments before the explosion. That's right. Then the explosion occurs. Yeah. And they're the only two that look cool. Everyone else is scampering like little <laughs> rabbits. But like those two are cool. And because yeah. James Bond no- notices that the guy isn't reacting big time. Yeah, yeah. Like he knew this was going to happen. Yeah. And, so uh, he knows something up. So, but he decides not to be obvious about it. He's going to follow him. Yeah. Because this guy doesn't realize that James Bond is onto him. Right. So he's walking through Moroccan market and he's uh, touching silks. So he's touching a lot of silks. Who's doing this? The guy. The guy. Uh, yeah. Who the guy's touching a lot of silks. Yeah. So he's going by like, oh, and someone and someone comes up and like, sir, would you like some silk? No, I don't want silk. <laughs> and he just keeps going away. And just, stop touching my silks. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, why is he why is he so fascinated by silk? Uh because you know you got a Moroccan market, you got to do okay. something like yeah, yeah. you know maybe he even grabs a piece of fruit sure. that you have never seen before that's like in the shape of a crescent, but it's not a banana, <laughs> like it's not it's like sure. a double crescent, and he like, yeah he eats it, so you know like oh this guy likes foreign fruit. Maybe it's an ananab. Exactly, it's yeah. an ananab. It's a backwards banana. Absolutely, <laughs> well done. Uh, it's a it's a reap. It's a pear that's backwards. <laughs> Thank he you. eats it fat side first. Yeah. Um. So yeah, James Bond is uh is is following is following. Doesn't him. everyone eat a pair of fat side first? What's that? Doesn't everyone eat a pair of fat sides first? Uh, like when uh, you bite into a pear, you bite into him, the like, meat. Fully eating the bottom. Oh, like, from the like bottom. Oh, that's weird. Just like <laughs> unhinging his jaw, and shoving it in there. All right, that's strange. All right. So All right. so this person has like a detachable jaw. Oh, that's right. It's okay. Yeah, that's his. That's his thing. Yeah. He's got a detachable. He's jaw. the that's son right. of Jaws. He's Snake Mouth. He's the son of Jaws. Oh, son of Jaws, I like. Yeah, detachable Jaws. Jaws Junior. <laughs> Jaws Junior, <laughs> the man with the detachable Jaws. Yeah, yeah, but his teeth are metal. Sure. Well, I say diamonds. Oh, they're diamonds. All right, all right. We gotta up it. We gotta yeah, up it. We do. So his teeth are pure diamonds. Right. His, all his teeth are moved and replaced by diamonds. Now I don't want to. I don't want to push too hard on this, but I would yeah. say like uh, James Bond gets a little closer. And then the guy grabs one of those silks I was talking about earlier, yeah. wraps him around a woman, and like is holding her uh, captive now. Okay, and just like as in a back off, or you know, I pull, I tug, and she's dead. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and James Bond is, hey, buddy, uh, we don't need any trouble uh, doing that. But then uh, you know, he uh, sees something like maybe a weird piece of fruit. Yeah, and uh, throws it at him, and uh, it gets him in the eye. <laughs> okay, I don't think that's. Okay. <laughs> How about James Bond? Throws a knife and cuts the the scarf. Oh, that's good. Okay, so yeah. someone would be cutting a, a piece of fruit and he grabs the knife from yeah. the person, throws, and it, throws it, yeah, cuts the scarf. Unfortunately, also hits the in the throat. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, but he should hit the guy in the. He should hit the guy. Yeah, and the guy should have a scar now. Oh, okay. The whole thing. So now he's James killable. Punk, he's killable. Yes, yeah, right. he's killable. So now James has marked him. Yeah, <laughs> and he can be killed. So is this guy going to escape, and then the rest of the movies around this guy? Or he is... will escape, and here's how he'll escape. Yeah, he'll run for a boat, mm-hmm. and uh, the boat will be uh, roped up, but he'll bite the rope with his jaw, <laughs> and uh, he'll, uh, he'll bite the rope with his okay. jaw. Okay, and uh, he'll he'll uh, he'll start boating, boating. But James is going to jump on into his own boat and he's going to chase after him. Right, but he gets distracted 
because you know the guy then turns hey, 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 say something like that right but yeah. in another language isn't racist and uh and and uh, all these other people who have got boats jump in their boats yeah. and they're going after yeah. james bond so james bond kills all those guys he kills them all wait why would he kill them? they're in a they're, they're nothing they didn't do because they're wrong. coming to kill him oh i see so and he has so, to and the other guy yeah uh the guy with the unhit, unhitched jaw he gets yeah. away yeah yeah uh but yeah james bond at the last second it looks like he's going to be going over something like that's very very dangerous like i don't know what it would be like a water Waterfall, but something more dangerous, like a, a waterfall, uh, like leading. Maybe into, uh, maybe there's like a, a reef, like a, or a barely concealed rock that he doesn't know about. Sure. And so we have like a drone shot because this is a modern yeah. film, so we have to have a drone shot, and we can see like down below there's a rock and and it, or a shot from the behind the rock, looking at him coming towards it. And we know, oh, we're like, oh, oh, right. He doesn't know it's there. He's in big trouble. Yeah. Or how about how about actually it's the other guy who's who hits a rock. Mm-hmm. detachable jaws so we think he's dead but then later on in the movie he'll right, come back that again sounds, that sounds good uh but yeah somehow james bond makes it at the last second and like is able to you know uh get okay so he uh there's a there's a sailboat that's nearby okay. somehow yeah. and uh and uh he jumps for the sailboat and uh and, and grabs onto the sail and the sail uh and then there's an explosion and the explosion fills the sail with a hot air, and he fl- he, fl- he fly- flows uh, flights, flights flies up, away. Oh my gosh! And uh, drops into yeah, uh, drops down into a uh, a, a like uh, you know the market, but they're selling pillows, selling pillows, and sure. it drops down into into the pillows, and the it's salespeople Mike, are two sexy. It's Mike ladies. Lindell. Mike Lindell's there. And yeah, he's... no, no, it's two sexy ladies, <laughs> two sexy ladies <laughs> right. who are just like oh. Yeah, you know, and they're upset at first. Yeah, but then they're very they're intrigued. Yes, and they and they uh, you know uh, go towards him, and uh, he says something uh, you know uh, uh, provocative, provocative, uh, yeah. pillow based. Yeah, and just like uh, something, I guess this is the cool <laughs> side of the pillow. I don't know something along <laughs> those lines. And uh, yeah. you know, I guess this is my pillow. No, it's not, that wouldn't work. Now. <laughs> Some, something sexy, and then uh, we go to the right, th- yeah. Yeah. I can't think of anything that he could say. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of something that isn't yeah. fluffer. <laughs> yeah, don't say that. Don't say that. No. I just, uh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yes, he just gets up and sort of brushes himself off and walks away. And uh, after no, saying, no, no, there's sexy ladies are there. And, oh, he's going to, he's, he's going to stay with the sexy ladies in oh. a pile of pillows. Yeah. Oh, okay. So this isn't like a modern James Bond. This is a throwback James Bond. Yeah. Yeah. So. He's going to, he's going to okay. bang everything in sight. <laughs> so the new, the new James Bond who's replacing Daniel Craig is going to be, much more of a dog than, oh, than James oh Bond. Oh, stars, yes. Because James, that James Bond wasn't much of a dog until Spectre, where they decided that he should be he should be like screwing everybody. Mm. But then you're like, why? Why? Why did that? Well, I mean, happen? they sort of set up the thing Casino Royale, where his junk's messed up. His junk's messed up. I think so. From, you know, he from what, getting hit by it with a whip under. Well, uh, Hannibal uh, took the rope and, uh, and the jackal uh, smashed his uh, the jackal smashed his business uh, yeah, from yeah. here to Kingdom Come. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Though you know there is of course the theory that get, that gave him super genitals, like it just it damaged <laughs> sure. him in such a way that they're like fantastic now. Like it was yeah. just enough smashy with the rope that uh, you know it's like oh that's pretty okay. good. I, I don't know, know I, I don't know what he did, but you know yeah. what this works. I, like okay, first thing is I Fact, don't basically his testicles now look and 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 is here's what it thinks his meat and veg look like this. If you look at them from the right angle, yeah. they look like a 007. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I I just don't know what the I just I don't know what the um. It's not your place to know. 
Well, I just don't know what the like the the benefits of like having no, no, super no, no, testicles no, 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 is. No, 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 not even testicles. Like they also hit, you know, they they hit the meat as well as the veg. <laughs> okay. Um, but I so, guess I mean, sure, okay, that's that. I guess here's the thing: you can't know. Mm-hmm. Like it'd be looking at like in Snoop looking at Snoopy's doghouse. Or, yeah. You know, it would be it would be wrong. You you just got to assume that whatever he's got going on downstairs. Yeah. Pretty uh, pretty it works. It works, and it's a mess. It's a hot mess, and it's great. <laughs> It's fantastic, and oh my god, what a nightmare! Yeah, it's like him. He's a brute, but he's a dashing. It's, it's a all, dashing it's all the things you you want, but uh, you right. would never wish it on your worst enemy. All right. Yeah. And then, so that's more of an ending of the movie, though. Him like getting it on. Well, what's the? How do? Um, I mean, I I, I picture like the uh, old James Bonds, where you know he'll be like uh, coming down on a parachute that looks like. Yeah, that's the end Jack. of the movie, though. No, 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 no. You need oh. Jack parachute. That's uh, that's your cold open. You know? Oh, you're thinking Moonraker, I guess. Let's, sure, why not? But Where like he fights uh, Jaws. Okay, cold open for Goldeneye. He jumps off the. Uh, he does the bungee jump. Uh, goes up, shoots a bunch of people. Well, no, it, in Moonraker, Moon, sorry, Goldeneye. Yeah. He jumps off of the dam. Jumps off the dam. There's no bungee jump though. It's just he just jumps and he has to get into the plane. No, he jumps off with a bungee. It's a bungee cord. No, no, he has to get into the plane. Remember, he like no, he jumps just... and then he climbs into the plane and then he pulls the plane up out of a, out of the dive and then takes off. He could have done that with a bungee jump. No, the bungee. first the first thing you see is him going. Oh, I see into the plant. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I thought you meant the big stunt, which is the like the 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 cold open ends with him like doing that dive down into getting okay, into the yes. plane and then flying away and then the movie starts. Yeah, that is pretty good. Like yeah. it ends with a big But it starts with him standing on the dam and you're like what's Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Whoosh. Yeah, then he goes and, down. And you know, like, oh, bungee jumping. That's cool. We don't know what that is. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. And then in Tenet, they do the, they do the opposite of that. They do they do reverse bungee, which is also fun because that movie's in reverse. <laughs> Yeah, it was weird. At the end of seeing Tenant, uh, I, I was leaving the theater and they gave me uh, fifteen dollars. I was like, "Wow, that's pretty good." And then they said, "Throw up your popcorn." Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I do that. So seagull flying by backwards. What oh. the hell? Yeah, and I, I had to throw some shit. I can't at breathe. It. <laughs> sure, it's all ugh. terrible. Um, uh, great movie. That's what I would say. Oh, Tenant. Yeah, very good. Um, speaking of movies that were great, we saw uh, Venom uh, Let There Be Carnage last week. And yes. We don't, we don't want to spoily spoil too much because it's new and it's yeah. out there. And it's Venom. Yes. Um, let's just say, you, you know what you you know what it is. You're a person. <laughs> you've seen the trailer. If you've seen the trailer. If you saw the first it's one. It's basically about five times the length of the trailer. It's yeah. like, you've seen the trailer. That's the movie. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's not a long movie. It's exactly 90 minutes long, and that's including the credits. It does not wear out its welcome. It does not. It doesn't even. It's not even welcome. And yet no, it doesn't it's not welcome, out. and it doesn't wear out as <laughs> it well. It doesn't wear it out at the same time. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, movie, it's a movie where it starts like this. When the movie starts, at first you're like, what is this shit? This is awful. And then about 10 minutes in, you're like, you know what? All right. I guess. I guess this is what we're going to see. This is gonna be. This is fine. Whatever. Okay. And a little while later, you're like, "This is kind of fun. This is pretty silly. I'm enjoying it now." And then near the end of the movie, you're like, "When's it gonna end?" <laughs> but it does it does uh, it does it is short. That's it's mercifully short. Yeah, it felt it felt to me like you just wanted. Hey, don't you want to do some movie while you're in here? <laughs> like it felt like the things occur that have to occur. Yeah, yeah. And then you have one scene. It feels like, and then. It felt like a video game that was like 
four hours long. One of those video games <laughs> that you're just like, there's one boss battle and you're done. Yeah. And you're like, was this just the demo? Yeah. I'm playing the demo. It's like, okay. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, there's a thing with the, his uh, relationship with this uh, woman. Oh, what are you going to do with that? Uh, not too much. You know, maybe something will happen next time, I guess. All right. Mm-hmm. You could have done something now. It's a movie. Keep it. Next time it'll be uh, Venom 3, Let There Be Carnations. <laughs> Give her some flowers. Finally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Here's the other weird bit is uh, they have, first of all, good on them for getting rid of Woody Harrelson's wig from the last movie. <laughs> Smart move. Yes. It's very, it was it's, like. It's not any better, but at least it's different. Right. It wasn't Harpo Marks. Which is it? Really, was very close yeah. to Harpo Marx yeah. in the last one. You know, this time it's how, this time it's Howdy Doody. Honk. Like all right. Uh, so the, this is the weird element for me. Is is uh, okay? So uh, Venom exists in this world, and last time in the Venom movie, Venom fought another Venom. Okay. So this time, yep. he's fighting another Venom. Yes. But this Venom is named Carnage. Oh, why is it different? Well, as uh, Carnage, as Venom says, it's a red one. Oh, well, you, it's, you know, he bit you and then became this. So, yeah, how is it better than black ones can make red ones? It's kind of your kid a little bit. Um, but red ones are tougher. Okay. That's, that's, that's interesting. That's a good, that's a good thing. Like, uh, he's he's tougher than you. Fine. All right. So, well, how is he, how is he tougher? Like different weaknesses? Yeah. No, same weaknesses. Okay. (laughs) So, is he stronger? Not particularly. Okay. So why? What's the what's well, the difference? Why why are we? Why is it different than last time, where well, you fought another Venom? Yeah. Well, what's what's weirder to me is why uh, Carnage's girlfriend, called, who's called Shriek, Shriek, yeah. Why her power is it's weird. They give her a power that yeah. disrupts both the hero and the villain. A why because then you just render her useless because. She can't do what she does, or she's going to hurt the person that yeah. she's she's loves. And then they don't use it anyway. They don't even use it in any kind of way in the movie. Like basically, yeah. she shrieks, and then Venom, the new Venom, what is Carnage says, "Shut up." Yeah, and that's it. That's it. For yeah, them. he's just telling her to shut up, which is a weird <laughs> yeah. dynamic for <laughs> one of the two women in the cast. They're like, hey, shut up, shut your mouth. Like, oh, I don't like that. Well, especially since, I mean, like it would work if then Venom. Says to her, yeah. "You're gonna take that from him, like Venom, because it almost like it almost feels like they're trying to play in this movie that Venom and 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 Tom Hardy, Eddie Brock have have some odd relationship that's almost like it's it's not quite romantic, but it's a relationship. It's the odd couple. It's the odd couple, and then yeah. they work out their differences. Yeah. And so you know, you almost feel like he should be saying to her, "You have a toxic relationship. <laughs> this isn't good. You deserve better.' You know, a little something like that, right? Yeah. yeah. Like that's what it feels like. The angle there is, but it doesn't matter because you know she doesn't matter. It's like it feels the movie is telling her to shut up, as well as another character is literally telling her to shut up. Mm-hmm. And but the, but the weird bit to me about her is. She's got superpowers. Yeah. Oh, where's, yeah. Where's that come from? And where? Where's there's no other one? There's no other people? Like yeah, it, it's like if, if in the movie Alien, you know, the idea is like, oh, well, there's an alien. Oh, yeah. okay. And here's all the alien rules. Yeah. And now here's a guy. What's his thing? Well, you know, he can fly. Why? <laughs> Why can he fly? Well, you know, because he can fly. I don't know. Yeah. Because it feels like it's a fairly normal world that's just got these weird symbiotes. The alien showed up. Yeah. The and end. That's the deal. And you're like, okay, now. And the other thing is, is, 
is Woody Harrelson's character. Everyone, just so you know, this is like going to be full of spoilers and sorry. If, but Woody Harrelson's character, they create, they turn into like a murderer and a killer and a bad guy. And you don't need to do that to his character. His character would be more interesting if he was like a good person who this happens to and he, he can't control it and he's trapped inside this thing. And his, if you're going to have Shriek, then her thing is to try to free him. You know what I mean? And then free him from himself and she can do it because she has this power. Only it, you know, does whatever yeah. to her, it incapacitates her in some way. I don't think kill her, but you know what I mean? Like, just stops her from being able to do that. And so then Venom needs to... Something like that, right? Like, well, here's the problem. It just feels weird to have two vil Like, a villain on a villain is like, well, what's the point of this? Well, yeah, because Venom's not really a villain villain. He's just a He's jerk. He's like an antihero, yeah. He's just a jerk. Yeah. Uh, but villains, Although he does eat people. But the villain... Uh, yeah. Uh, Eddie, Eddie and Venom's thing is they're very different. Like you say, they're the odd couple. Yeah, yeah. But, like, so you've got Carnage, who seems to just be the suit that he's in. Yeah. Like, the suit doesn't talk to him. The yeah. suit doesn't have an opinion. Well, <laughs> well it what, does, because what there's does time. Well, there's times where it's telling him, like, telling Woody Harrelson's character yeah. um, to shut that girl up. Yeah, that's it. And oh. then he's, like, trying to, like, you know, he's trying to, like, separate himself from him saying, you know, don't hurt her or whatever, you know. So there is that sure. element to it. But it doesn't really make There's any no sense. personality because yeah. they're both killers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. That's why it would be better if he was, like, a good person. Now, where I'd go with, okay, because uh, it seems like what they were doing was they set up this place, Ravencroft, that, uh, if I'm getting this right, is an Arkham Asylum type place, but for superpowered people. Because it looks like they've got all these people caged up. There's no reason to take them from another place and put them in this place where they're doing experiments unless they've got superpowers. But yeah. they don't ever say that. Mm -hmm. uh, so so she's she's there. I would say if you're just going with it in this world, since there's the symbiotes and their weakness are things like flame and, and, and sonic powers, she's got sonic powers. Oh, is she possessed by something... That's an alien thing that fights the venoms. Like, it, do they have natural predators? And so now what you've got the situation is uh, Woody Harrelson and her love each other, but they're both possessed by things that are natural enemies to each other. Yeah. There we go. We got some conflict. That's interesting. Yeah. Instead, it's just, no, she's got superpowers. She's basically Black Canary. <laughs> and in the comic, her power is uh, that her voice, yes, can shatter things, but it also can influence people to uh, enrage them. Like, it'll make them furious. Yeah. So that that, that would have been interesting, but they didn't care about her at all. She was just there. Eh, just throw away. We don't have time to deal with her. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a bit of a drag. Underwritten, let's say. Yeah, and it's it seems like in this day and age, you're doing that? Poof, okay, fine, I guess. It's fine. It's fine. And, and I guess it's fine that we're just sort of dropped into the movie, but you don't really understand, like, what... She's bad, and I guess that's just her character. She's a bad person. Like, she's a bad person from the get-go. She Is she? Wants to do bad things to people. Yeah, why? Why does she? Like, they, they do. Why, yeah, why is, why is Yeah, the they, do, they do a weird thing with the Woody Harrelson character. It's just like, he's done all these things and killed family members and all this. Oh, he's a bad kid. He's just a sociopath. Oh, okay, so was he mentally ill? Or, and then later, you never asked why I did them all because they were bad. Yeah, it was bad journalism, Eddie. Uh, it's like you didn't ask. Like, oh, was that it? Was it because you were abused? Is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, what is it? What's going on? <laughs> What's the focus here? You know, are you just trying to play a joker and just go like, it's everything, man. Maybe it's this and maybe it's that. Yeah. Just enjoy the CGI fight between the blobby thing with the teeth <laughs> and the other blobby thing with the teeth. Yes. And who are you rooting for? I don't know. And why are you in a church? Yeah. 
If you enjoy seeing something that looks like cheese being stretched, this is a movie for you. Here's my, just on a, I guess you don't even care, point, point of view. Like, to me, it's just like, well, you don't care, I don't care. Yeah, Fine. yeah. Fine. Yeah. It's going to be like this. Yeah. So they're roommates. And Venom's trying to, uh, you know, be nice to uh, Eddie Brock. And so he cranks up the music. And he's making a meal with big flames shooting up out of the <laughs> yeah. stove. And I'm yeah. like, so your two weaknesses are what again? Loud noises and yeah. fire. Mm. And you seem to be like totally fine yeah. with the two things that really mess you up. Sorry, here. what's the loud noise? Uh, the music that he's cranking up. Well, it's not noise. It's music. Okay. Like I, I just, I just, I just don't think like it does, like any loud sound is okay, ba- how about bad this? for him. His, yeah, loud. Okay, his problems are sonics. Like that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Loud music, lo- no loud music, but loud noises mess him up. Sure. So like you ring a bell, he's gonna be in agony. Okay. So he goes to oh. a nightclub. <laughs> that was more odd. That is definitely with just... thumping bass <laughs> just... and is rocking out. <laughs> I didn't enjoy that sequence. It so. was it was very enjoyable was sequence. He was wearing. He was wearing glow in the dark. Uh, you know, yeah, that's fantastic. That Which would be a fun. great thing for any character that's yeah. weakness is not Sonic fucking <laughs> issues. And like, yeah, you shouldn't be making a big flaming breakfast. Yeah, if fire is your uh, is your problem, it's just like they just forgot and just went. Nah, it doesn't matter. I guess fire and uh, maybe I don't know. Also, I, I, I the problem is I enjoyed those were like my favorite scenes that's in the movie. Great. I enjoyed the breakfast thing because it was just like utter chaos, and he's going to do a nice thing for Eddie, and then it's just like that is just a. Destruction, you know, it's just destruction of me. Yeah, but it's like the Wicked Witch of the West giving you a sponge bath and just like slopping water around. It's like, isn't your one thing that you dissolve in water? Yeah, but you know, whatever. It's a fun scene. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's... I guess it's fun. That's it. But it could, it could be easily answered. Here's, I think it could be easily answered, and you could yeah. do it. You know, in the time that I've known you, I've grown stronger. My weaknesses are going away. You know, I'm better with you than I am before. Like, okay, and so now. Uh, Carnage, uh, for all of his extra strength, has the original weaknesses still. So yeah. Venom doesn't have these weaknesses, so he can do the things that, you know, there you go. And you show it by like, you know, you can even have Tom Hardy just going, hey, what's with the fire? I thought that was your weakness. <laughs> huh? I didn't even notice. Wait, am I getting stronger? Oh, you're better for me. We're, we're good for each other. You know, you're a better person. I'm a better person. I like you. You like me. It's good. We're nice. Me, Cookie Monster. <laughs> nom, 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 nom. <laughs> Me, Human Head Monster. It is not a million miles away from Cookie Monster now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. I guess uh, Tom Hardy also does the voice of uh, Venom. And if you look at the original... Yeah, if you look at the original version of Cookie Monster, he did have those sharp teeth. Is that right? Yeah, he was very much uh, very much that, yeah. He was very much a monster. He was the uh, Wheelie Stealer, I think, uh, was his original uh, name. Okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, just razor sharp teeth. <laughs> well, they all right. Because why were they razor sharp? Well, that's just what they look like. Oh, okay. <laughs> Are you calling me a liar? I just, it just seems odd that there's a muppet with razor sharp teeth. I mean, you can have teeth. I just wonder about the razor sharp. Okay, very good. Perhaps they're dull. They're dull fangs. Oh, is that's even worse? Well, it depends what he's. Don't you think so? I don't know. It's longer for him to just, eat you. He's just using him to. He's eating wheelies, not eating people. He is. I, I listen. I'm just going to give you a picture of this guy, and you tell me. If you think these are razor sharp teeth or what? <laughs> okay. Oh, well, he's terrifying. He looks a lot like um, the uh, abominable snowman in uh, Rudolph. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, those were razor sharp teeth. Yeah, maybe you're right. Thank you. 
Uh, and then, of course, there's a scene at the end, and we're not going to spoil what the scene is, but it's just like, hey, wouldn't you have rather seen this movie? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> That's interesting. Well, I mean, I guess they're they're allowed to build up to a, a finale. Sure they are. I mean, listen, you got to have a bonus scene now. <laughs> That's the thing. That's your rule. I didn't even know that's what it meant. I didn't know what it meant when I was watching it. That's okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Shrug. All right. I have sent you a picture of the original Cookie Monster, and you can see how horrific it is. Okay. Thank you. When, when, uh, you I like how you're looking at, at my phone like, oh, is it coming yet? Is it here, Dave? Is it, at some gone? point, it'll do it. Is ding, it, ding, ding. Is it gone? No, it won't. I turn off the sound. And you'll look at it, and you'll just be like, oh, just horrified. <laughs> it was The one thing I did like about it was... They had they did a follow up on a uh, on a relationship, and uh, I thought they handled it fairly maturely, uh, surprisingly maturely in the uh, in, in in the thing. So that was good with the Michelle Williams and her yeah. and her and Dan her her boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. Though I didn't like her just you know you know uh, saying to him you know you're just not mature. You're just not much. Like, don't make the don't make the character Sarah Silverman from <laughs> from from School of Rock. Don't do it. Don't do that. Knock it off. I like. You know, I did like. There's a scene where she um she says that it's fun to to be Venom. She's like getting in the car and she's like uh, she says you know I should you know I shouldn't be doing that but it's fun and she gets into the car and they yeah. to, so I like that part of it. There's some good. There's some fun things. Yeah, I like movie. when she's that. I don't yeah. like when she's being a scold. A scold, yeah. Who wants and that? just like, and also being a scold while kind of breaking up with him. You know, just like, well, don't. Well, they're, dub- already, they've already, they're already broken up. Yeah, though. but it was like it felt like a double rubbing it in. It's just <laughs> like you know, hey, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm get, I'm now with this guy, and uh, we're really happy. Well, By he, the way, it was because you weren't, you know, you had problems. Well, t- just let it go then, man. What, what, what's it matter to you? Well, it's kind of like they forgot why they broke. Because it's not that he's immature. He stole. He stole uh, uh, sensitive information from her computer and used it in a news report, and yeah. then got her fired from her job. That's true. <laughs> it's not like it's not really immature. It's so thoughtless. So he then, and, you know, he then, you know, did save the world. So you know, slack cut, right? A little bit of slack cut, save the world. Slack. Two rights don't make a wrong. I mean, two wrongs don't make a right. So. I don't know. <laughs> to me this is suicide squad rules where i'm just like you know all these people save the world so you know how they get uh, five years off their sentence five years ten years come on cut them some, cut them some slack yeah, they're probably like in jail for like you know consecutive 540 years sure you got five years off oh great thanks yeah but you, you know you save the world then uh that's a that's a gimme you, every time you save the world you, you can, get to you can go out and kill again Sure, I guess maybe maybe you get a clean slate when you save the world. That's I'm I'm all for that law. Okay, Luther's law. Like, listen, <laughs> Lex Luther, you can do all the evil you want to do yeah, and yeah. try to sink, uh, you know, California. But mm-hmm. but yeah. when Brainiac comes and you help us defeat Brainiac and you save the world from Brainiac, clean slate, clean slate. That's fine. Brain and uh, we call it Luther's law. Because occasionally you're going to need the help of Lex Luther to save the. Oh, the I thought world. it was named after Martin Luther. The, uh, you know. Oh, is that why it passed Protestant. so easily? <laughs> oh yeah, I should have made that clear. <laughs> right. Sorry, sorry, everyone. It was not. Based... And we named that street after him too. I can see why that was. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> I wonder why it was spelled differently. Yes. Uh, Carnage was, I mean, sorry, Let There Be Carnage, which, by the way, they did say it in the movie, Mm -hmm. which made me very happy. Yeah. 
And I do consider that a yes. yes. Yeah. Because you don't have to say Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. Just the subtitle to me is good enough. Yeah. And that was good. And it's also though, every time he said like, and there's going to be carnage. Oh, like what? I don't know. <laughs> me just going. Aah! Okay. Well, I felt like they knew that was the title of the movie. So they had to like keep slipping it into it. But yeah. And why is Woody Harrelson in that role? Because uh, he played a serial killer and uh, the natural born killers. And so we're like, oh, we'd like seeing him do that. Yeah, that was, that was like 30, 40 years ago that he did, did that. Yeah, that's how it 30, works. 30 years ago. You know, you like uh, Michael Keaton. Why? Because he played Batman in the 80s. You liked uh, him in Beetlejuice. You liked him in those old movies. That's why he's in all the movies now, because we like him. Well, so that. it's possible. You don't like be... him from like the movies that he did recently. You don't like him from the post. <laughs> you know, that's not why you're uh, putting him as the vulture, right? Well, I think part of it is he's a good actor and brings something There's to the role. There's a lot of actors, but, the, you know, the heat... That you're that you're that you're getting is you're like yeah hey, you want to play the new actor versus the classic actor that's the old thing okay you want to put uh, Chris Evans and you want to put him against Robert Redford no, probably just, not in a fight fight it's but. just weird like that it op- the movie opens with like the actress who plays Shriek and he are in a an orphanage or whatever together together he's aged terribly yeah and so <laughs> and so then she's they keep her as the, in the same role yeah and. It, age her up not at all yeah but yeah he is like they changed the actor who plays him to woody harrelson yeah like yeah i guess i don't know the reverse picture of dorian gray all his all his evil acts are just in his yeah in his face that's uh that's that's very hollywood yep yeah fair fair enough they should not be the same age no yeah i mean you could go with like she's older but like uh, you know, whatever her power is or whatever keeps her looking younger. I'll give you that. I guess. But they don't say anything like that. They don't. Say <laughs> and why doesn't his 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 reign of murder keep him looking younger? And I think Ravencroft, if I'm remembering right, uh, was also in uh, Amazing Spider-Man Two. I think like there was an evil scientist from there as well. It's basically where the evil scientists experiment on people. Is that and right? Go ha. Yeah, I think they might have experimented on Electro or something like that there. I think so. You know, they're trying to make, I mean, in the comics, it's basically their Arkham, but, you know, with uh, evil scientists, blah, ha, <laughs> And what was the what was the evil scientist plan with her? Like, you've had her for how many years? Mm-hmm. Like, like honestly, you seriously must have had her for like 20 years. You going to get something else out of her? Well. What's the deal? I what, it, what more tests yeah. are you going to do? I didn't realize that it was like an experimental uh, lab. I thought it was just like a prison that had you know containment 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 units that were designed hmm. for superhuman people so hers was like because they weren't like experimenting on her she was just like they were sort of teasing or tormenting her oh, okay but they weren't experimenting on her she's just, just like stuck I, inside a, a cube inside of a globe or i feel whatever. when someone's got a clipboard and a german accent or whatever it was or a russian <laughs> accent uh experiments are going on i don't think they're like yeah. trying to like uh cure her no no i don't think they're trying to cure her. i just thought that they were just Keeping her lo- locked up. By the way, also, put someone in a cell like that. Have we learned nothing from Magneto? Doesn't work. Does not work. No, no, sir. That clear cell. Put them in a clear cell. They're going to escape. James Bond taught us that as well. Which which, which movie has a clear cell? Uh, the James Bond one? Uh, that was the one with um, uh, the guy from No uh, No Country for Old Men. Uh, he, was in a, he was in a clear cell. Oh, in Skyfall? 
I guess it was Skyfall, but it was, you know, all my plans are blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's like, oh, he wanted to be there. That's exactly where he wanted to be, as they always want to be where they Oh, that's right. I planned it perfectly. I knew that train was going to be coming by, and then it was going through this wall, and that, that butterfly going by. Good work, boss. Yeah, thanks, butterfly. I knew you'd be here. <laughs> yes, everything went according to plan, and he his plan, his plan defeated James Bond as well. Yeah. James Bond lost that movie. Yeah, he did. And also, you know, he got to home alone it as well as the whole reason they made traps. that movie. I wouldn't say they're crazy. I, do you don't think they're doable? The traps they had in that movie. Sure, they're fine. Yeah. Well, like I don't know. I don't know if you can put like gunpowder in a light bulb and it will ignite, ignite, and sp- space stuff around. And okay, here's here's the thing about Skyfall. It w- it's swell and nice to have him go to his old country home and you know which he hates. For reasons that well, I guess we'll find out one day or not. Um, and then they're like, all right, we're going to make all these traps. But boy, wouldn't it have been fun if like they were trapped in there with Q. And Q was just like, just give me some space. And he starts <laughs> MacGyvering shit all over and just doing yeah. all that things. And, yeah. Ah, that'd be great. But no. <laughs> it's fine. Just exploding glass. and It's, not, it's fine. It's all good. Skyfall. I, I was all right with Skyfall. Uh, yeah, that was okay. Yeah. I. I wouldn't, I, yeah, I'm not going to make the suggestion that there's like a straight downhill line from Casino Royale to, to Spectre, but yeah, it kind of goes up and down a bit. How many movies are there? There's Quantum of Solace, mm-hmm. and then Skyfall, and then Spectre. That's all, right? God, I want to say there's one more in there, but. Is there one more in there I that I feel like about? there is. Quantum I of think Solace. it's Permit Tits. <laughs> No, wait, I'm sorry. It's time to die thrice. I was thinking time to love once. Sorry, time to fail twice. Time Instructed to, fail twice. to love. License to live. Firefinger. Fire of Moscow. Instructed to find. Spy in Casino. Yeah. I got nothing. Yeah. Uh, my, my computer is uh, not letting me go to Wikipedia. <laughs> it's not good for you. It says. Yeah, they're not wrong. They're not wrong. Quantum of Solace. Yeah, Spectre, No Time to Die, Skyfall, Rail. That's it. Uh, let's just say that's it is. That's all they did. Yep. That's all there could be. That's all there ever could be. And uh felt like he wasn't coming back for this one, but he did. <laughs> they gave him enough money, he came back. Again, I, I do. It, did, it does bother me that it's, it goes so quickly from your blunt instrument, you're new, you're raw, to, oh, your liver's shot, to you're an old man, <laughs> it's time to retire. Yeah. Like, what was that? Three films? Yeah. Like, I mean, not since Batman have I seen someone, like, <laughs> age so badly. Just like, uh, I'm going to become Batman. Now oh, your knee's bad. I quit. Off to Paris with me. Bye. <laughs> I think, yeah, the problem with movies like that My is knee. <laughs> there's no sense of time passing. Except for, like, people's statements of time. Like, it, like it's the usual thing about films where you need to, like, demonstrate time passing. You can't just have people tell you time <laughs> is passing. Because when you're watching it... It feels like it's just picking up from where the last one ended. Like, we just saw the last one where he got, like, a guided tour through... Oh, no, that was Spectre, that he got a guided tour through a building to find, to find a person. Here, I've trapped her in the building. Do you mind if I put some arrows directing you to where she is? <laughs> Very helpful. Thank you. Well, it felt like so Evil many villain. of these movies end with... Yeah. And now we start the James Bond films. Yeah. Now we've done that. Now, here we go. Yeah. It's James Bond now. I felt yeah. like with Casino Royale. Now we're done. Next film is going to be a straight out. No, we're starting with the, oh, right after. Okay. <laughs> okay, but now we're done. 
it's gonna be. And then when M dies, and then we have uh, Ray Fiennes as the new M, it's like, oh, you got the in the office. It's everything we ex- we remember. Here, here we go. It's gonna be the next. Well, we'll see. Is it? Is yeah. it not? It's like time to go. Time to wrap it up. Well, I'm gonna see it on Saturday. Okay. I'm gonna see it in IMAX. Oh, that's a lot of Max. That's a lot of Max. It was filmed in IMAX. Okay. So I like to see movies that were filmed in IMAX. I like to see them in IMAX just because it's kind of interesting. The only problem with it is the is the fact that it's not all IMAX. It's a mix of IMAX. It's an IMAX. It's an IMAX. That's right. It's a mix of IMAX and whatever the 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 rest of the film is. Whatever the 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 whatever you call it. The pers- ratio with the screen. Yeah. Screen yeah. size. Whatever you know. Aspect so, ratio. Aspect ratio. Yeah. So like when we saw. When I went and saw uh, Dark Knight Returns, I saw that in IMAX. And so, like, the the plane hanging in the sky scene, it was done like, IMAX. It was yeah. done in that kind of square-shaped yeah. screen. And then it, blonk, it goes into <laughs> Panavision. So then it's a long screen. And then when there's a, the next scene where there's a IMAX thing happening, blonk, it goes, shortens up again. Same thing in Tenet as well. So in Tenet, I saw Tenet in IMAX as well. With scenes where there's, like, action scenes where it's filmed in IMAX, those scenes are squarish, and then when it gets to talking scenes, <laughs> it's kind of weird. Well, if you watch it, is it, for it a while, jarring to you to to see the change? Yeah, I find it. It's not terrible. You kind of get used to it, but it is a little odd. I think. Like I feel like if you're gonna film an IMAX, just film the whole thing in IMAX. I know it's it's probably expensive to film with these giant cameras, two people talking, but it just it feels strange that you know you start off with like I don't know. I guess the pro- other problem is is that you know it can only. The movie as an IMAX film can only be shown in an IMAX theater. Yeah. If you want to have like general distribution, you have to have like a, a screenable print that, that, you know, and so you choose a ratio, an aspect ratio that you want. Let's say Panavision uh, sized. Then you, uh, wait, wait. I'm laughing at the idea of like uh, something being shot in IMAX and pan and scan at the same time. Oh. So it's just like these beautiful shots and all of a sudden just a hard whip <laughs> to like, you know, a face that isn't enough face. Yeah. It's yeah. Just too, you know, just. Yeah. Someone talking to someone who isn't there. Yeah. It's like very, very an odd uh, mix of choices. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be terrible. And then having that, that weird kind of like automated pan of the camera when it's, you know, in pan and scan, it has to pan to see the other person. So it just kind of does this weird automated yeah. move over and you're, you're like, oh, this is Ugh. Why is this happening? Oh, why are you doing this? Because <laughs> people don't like not being able to see the whole movie on the TV screen. If I see black bars on the top <laughs> and bottom of my screen, I'm going to call the cable company. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird how long it took for people to get used to that. No, I want to see more. I don't pay for a half a screen. I guess we can thank DVD for that. Thanks, DVD. Not Laserdisc. Laserdisc started it. Laserdisc tried. Laserdisc started it, but it, it wasn't. It just wasn't a popular enough format to to break. You know, whereas DVD that really like swept all. You know, swept. VHS Laserdisc uh, was confusing, can. and you weren't sure what it was. Uh, not you, but uh, people. <laughs> it was that, and also it just felt it just felt clunky and and weird. Like, what? Okay, I'm watching a movie. You mean halfway through the film, I have to stand up and turn over? Like that feels like a step backwards in time. That's am I supposed to listen to records again? People were saying <laughs> they didn't realize the future would have them listen to records yeah, again. That's how it goes. But that's what it felt like. It was felt like you were like having to get up and turn your record over, but yeah. you said you're watching a movie. Like, what the heck? Here was what uh, sold me on DVD. 
was a uh, uh, you know a fellow we both knew, Dave Watson, rest in peace. Yes, uh, music reviewer, fine fellow journalist. Yeah, uh, but he was talking about DVDs. He says players is the new thing. Yeah, and uh, he was going, look, even if you don't like DVDs, uh, it's a great CD player. It's going to be the best CD sound you've ever had. All right. So you've got yourself just a fantastic CD player. So no lose. And I was like, yeah. well, that's no lose. You're right. I don't mind getting a, I'll pay for, pay for that. And then I tried DVDs and was like, this is uh, hunky dory. I love these, uh, these uh, commentary tracks. That's, but those were on LaserDiscs too. Yeah. That's where that started. But yeah, the DVDs give you that. And but the LaserDisc is just a LaserDisc. And it's that's a all. It's a clunky, big, giant thing. You're right. Yeah. yeah. And, and it does one, it's a, it's a uh, unitasker. You Whereas could, you won me over with DVD player being, uh, you know, feel like you could play a CD on a on a laserdisc player, but I could, could be wrong. Hmm. I feel like you could do that. Maybe I'm wrong though. This is an interesting uh, question I'm going to ask. Okay. Uh, yeah. No. I remember before. I remember when DVDs were coming out and being very skeptical about them, their quality, because it just felt weird to me, like the idea that yes. Yes, you can play. Yeah. Yes. That's Starting I mean. around 1984, mm. uh, laserdisc players could play CDs. Oh, that's pretty, pretty good. Good. Yeah. good to know. There you go. So, but I mean, DVDs. Like, what's nice about DVDs is they're compact. You know, and you could you could have like it. This was this is a better thing. It was a whole movie on one one side. You didn't have to like stand up and turn it over, which is which is one problem. Like, I remember David. He did buy like a an upgrade to his laserdisc player, which was one that had like a carriage. That automatically rev- turned over and okay. would play from the other side of the, the the laser disc, and so then you didn't have to get up to change. And that that did seem like an improvement. I I don't have that. I have like, my my laser disc player is a clunky old one that you have to like stand up. And if you're watching you one some exercise, what's wrong with that? Like I have shape. I have John Woo's The Killer on laser disc in the more the frame by frame one, not the more compact one. So I think it's like five discs. Or not five, sorry, three discs. Okay. So you have to like stand up and flip di- three different discs and change discs to watch the movie. So I can see why people were like, meh, not great. To me, I wouldn't mind that just because it feels like you're doing that with film. Just like get the canisters out. Yeah, you know, like yeah. Like load the canister, load the next Sure, but out. you want someone else doing that for you. You don't want to have to stand up at home and get up and ugh, have to put the popcorn down and... Yeah. Walk over. I have touch to walk. With, touch it with your hands. I have hands. to walk like 10 feet to my laser disc player and like eject it and then turn it over and oh, and then I have to start it again and then sit back down and then get the remote control and press play and then I have to wait for it to start and then by the time, oh, I don't even know. I can't remember what movie I was watching by this point. I'm exaggerating slightly, but you know what I mean. That's what people's attitude to, to these things. I uh, I had a I have a new therapist as of this week that I'm doing on video. Should video therapist. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, very. Uh, Max Headrooming. She's not at all like that at all. <laughs> yep, dip, dip. No, she's very American, very Southern. Um, but uh, one oh, really? of the, one of the ex- yeah one of the exercises that we yeah. uh, we were doing was uh, you know just kind of describing my grandmother's uh, place because that's kind of where I started doing comics and all okay. these other things. And so she was asking me for all these details. Can I, I just ask? Does she start every sentence with "What intonation"? <laughs> no, but she was in a rocking chair. <laughs> So is she actually like based in the South, the Southern United States, or is she like Canadian? Yeah, I think she might be. I think she might be. She might be in Texas. I think it's possible. I didn't pursue it much past that, but she's got a background. She's got a background in the military. She's got a background in uh, volunteer firefighting. She still does that. 
Okay. And uh, yeah, a bit. Uh, it's, it's interesting. She's someone who I don't think I would align politically with uh, on, on on some things, but I'm like yeah. interested in like uh, another perspective on things. Sure. So. And she, yeah, she's fine uh, so far. Uh, but she, you know, she asked me to describe this uh, apartment that my grand uh, grandparents lived in. Yeah. And it was just surprising to me how much detail I was able to like conjure up, like mm. just with my eyes shut, like just the tactile thing of I know what the couch feels like. I know. You know uh, what color it is. I know what the cushions are like, and then I knew what the TV was like. And I and I just remembered going up and changing the channels by hand, yeah. and just hearing the thump, thump, yeah. thump, every time. Uh, there was a little ring around the disc that you turn, yeah. and that you would use that, and, and it helped focus a little bit. Sometimes it would help not focus, but it would cl- clear the picture up a bit. Sometimes, uh, and yeah, we and because the dial was wrong, uh, we had to take masking tape and, and write new numbers on all of it. <laughs> and yeah, it went from yeah you know, two to thirteen, and then UHF. Yeah, and the UHF was a mixed bag that like maybe sometimes you can get something on there, maybe you couldn't get it on there. But yeah, it was just interesting thinking of like the getting up. And changing the channels and going back to the couch and by god you're not getting up again to change the channel <laughs> in the middle of a show or you know yeah, a yeah. commercial or anything yeah you don't you're, just... you're just you're settled yeah that's it you just watch commercials put it on and you know listen if something coming on afterwards is semi-decent that's that's what we're doing mm-hmm. yeah and you want to know what's on tv you better check the tv guide jack you better have a newspaper nearby i did yeah had my tv tv we didn't have tv guide but i would just take the tv times or whatever out of the newspaper on friday on friday that came in the paper and so it was saturday to friday i guess and then i would circle i would go through it page by page any movies that look interesting because the rule of the tv was if you were watching it it stayed on your channel yep do you have that rule too no just you've mentioned oh yeah yeah Yeah, that's right yeah yeah. so i would like interesting rule yeah i would hog it well you know when you're like the oldest you create rules that are worked best to your advantage to your advantage yeah so like I remember my youngest brother one day, like, just sort of announcing, he's like, I'm going to figure out how to read the TV guide. I'm tired of you, like, bossing me around what we're going to watch. I'm like, okay, whatever. Here's my question about the TV guide. Uh, What was the difference between a black on white channel and a white on black channel? Or was there one? Because sometimes there was and sometimes there wasn't. I think the one, there was a, one was cable, one was antenna. So some channels, like, if you were, if you use an antenna, then you would get some of those channels and other ones were only available. So sometimes it'd be, they have a different channel they were on right? because cable would assign those channels. Whereas uh, antenna would be like their actual channel. So, okay. Yeah. I just wondered if there was some kind of code that I was missing on, uh, on those. Because I think if you, as I remember, BCTV was on, was on channel 11 on my cable, but it was on channel eight. If you were, had an antenna. Yeah. Like I'm looking, I'm looking here. Like uh, you've you've seen it's from 1974. It's an old thing of you know yeah, things. Yeah. So you know you've got uh, Patchwork Family on Channel Two, but it's like a white two on black background. Yeah. Then on on uh, you know Channel Three, it's uh, you know uh, black on white uh, camera three. Number four is uh, Marty Knoll World, and that's uh, this is a very religious uh, time of day. <laughs> okay. It's like the answer, insight, yeah. day of discovery, Sunday yeah. school. There's a lot of Jesus at this at this point. Sure, at eight thirty, it's pretty much all Jesus. Yeah, well, yeah this is well, how we grew up. Sundays was a wasteland of television, and it goes from like channel two, yeah. three, four, seven, eight, nine, uh, sixty-seven. I don't know where I don't know where that is. Yeah, uh, where the hell sixty seven come from? For, for us here, like if you were, I just know Doctor Doolittle's on that. If you had an That's antenna, 
If you had an antenna, you got CBC on Channel 2, mm-hmm. Check on Channel 6, BCTV on Channel 8, KVOS on Channel 11, or sorry, Channel 12, and you got uh, K- CKVU on Channel 13. Okay. I believe the last one. I can't remember exactly what that was. But if you had cable, then you got three. You got CBC on Channel 3. You got uh, ABC on 4, NBC on 5, Czech TV on 6, the French Station on 7, BC, um, uh, CBS on 8, PBS on 9, <laughs> 10 was a sort of dead channel, 11 was uh, BCTV, 12 was KVOS, and 13 was C- CKVU. Wow. That's huh. what, that was that was your huge amount of extra channels you got. Like like when I went out with Lisa, like well even like our whole lives, her parents never had uh, cable, so you just went over there and you know if you wanted to watch TV, you watched a very you had a very limited selection of of choices, which you know bothered me as like a media hound kid because I loved you know having like a choice of and by that point we had like a few more channels. We had channel twenty eight if you wanted to click up. Through the through the all the through the nothings you could get. I think twenty one and twenty eight we had something like that. And then you know then later on it started to build up. Right there was much music and then YTV and cable started offering more and more things. What are you looking at? I'm looking at uh, who's on uh, nineteen seventy six. Yep. Uh, who's on Mike Douglas today? Oh, who's on Mike Douglas? Uh, it's uh, well, uh, it's co-hosted by Tony Bennett. Okay. That's a pretty good, pretty sure. good get. Sure. Uh, then we got Harry James, Janice Ian, and Mel Tillis. Okay. It's a solid show. Sure. It's a solid show. But you might instead want to be watching Phil Donahue. Got Rosemary on there telling some stories. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's not a Nazi one. No. It's who's, a Rosemary who's one. Who's on uh, the Dinah Shore show? Oh, the Dinah Shore show. Oh, I just saw. Yeah, Dinah on Dinah. Yeah. Uh, tonight. Uh, Hal Holbrook, mm. Valerie uh, Perrine. Okay. Uh, author uh, Barbara Howard, singers. Uh, Joe and and Bing and uh, Granat and Garonzo. Oh, sorry, singers Joe and Bing. Yeah, and the comedy duo of uh, Granat and Garonzo. Don't remember yeah. them. Uh, music will be playing is Barnstormer. <laughs> uh, you can dance to my song. Yeah, Solitaire. Uh, oh, babe, what would you say? Uh, yeah, and of course, there's John Rodby and his orchestra. Huh. Now that's if you don't want to watch Sanford and Son. Yeah. <laughs> now on Sanford and Son, yeah. uh, Fred is irritated. Sure. Uh, when really? The, when the kid who has been ha- uh, with the kid who's been hanging around the junkyard. Oh. Yeah. So you know that sounds like uh, an episode. Is uh, irritated. Yes. Someone comes to the junkyard. I can't believe. And then and then Fred Sampson is annoyed by them. I can't believe that Red Fox's character would be annoyed by something. It would yeah. be so. I think you so might call him character. dummy or something. It's possible. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Oh, oh, but hey, listen, if yeah. you stick around after that, sure. an episode of Happy Days coming on. Nice. Uh, but this is the conclusion to a two-parter. Oh. Uh, a motorcycle jump lands Fonzie in the hospital. <laughs> Love that one where uh, Arnold throws the chicken in the air to indicate uh, the, uh, the the motorcycle accident. That was a good episode. I loved that as a kid. Yeah, it was pretty good. All right, listen. Pat Morita, superstar. But now, I know you want to see Hollywood Squares, but listen. So these are reruns we're, t- we're talking about here, I imagine. What time of the day are we looking 1976, at? 1976. What time of the day are we looking at? Where it's it's the morning, uh, 11.30. Yeah, 11.30 in the morning. Happy Days is not running 11.30 in the morning as prime time material. Well, it's 76. So they must have already been in... in... When did when did Fonzie jump the garbage cans? Like, it feels like it couldn't have been like... It would have been, it would have been the year... It uh, would have been 74, right? I think I feel like I was in grade four. Mm-hmm. When that happened? Okay, I got two. I got two. Two other things to. to so seventy five. Sorry, seventy five. I would have. Been. First of all, uh, oh, you I, said this is seventy six, right? Seventy six, July twenty eighth, nineteen seventy six. Yeah, a year before. 
Okay, I got a. There's a couple of things that are just fascinating me right now. Right. First of all, an episode of Bewitched where Samantha tries to make a dress without witchcraft. That's definitely a repeat. Yeah. Um, but here's a trivia question for you. Sure. Uh, Mickey Mouse Club. Uh-huh. It's Anything Can Happen Day. All right. Okay. What horror movie utilized Anything Can Happen Day? What horror movie horror utilized? Horror movie utilized Anything Can Happen Day. I say it, it's a I say it's a horror movie. I think it's fair to say it's a horror movie. Is it central premise or does something that happens? Uh they just mention it casually. Oh, okay. Of just like, you know, when all this stuff's going down and just like, you know what? Anything can happen day. Is this Gremlins? It is not. It oh. is a darker movie than that. Oh, okay. But it was a very popular movie. It has an A-list villain. A-lister. <laughs> right. Top tier actor as yeah. the villain. As the villain. Top tier. And it's it's a darker movie than Gremlins. Very dark movie. Very dark movie. Oh, I'd say it's a very dark movie, yeah. Huh, with an A-lister as a villain. A-lister as a villain. Quite a good lead actor. Good actor as the uh, lead. A later kind of fall, fell from grace a little bit, I would say. But uh, a good a good solid actor who's, you know, made a couple comebacks um, since then. Not uh, not Robert Downey Jr. Not John Travolta. <laughs> well, this is, this is 76 that we're talking about, right? So 70, uh, no, 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 no. Oh, I'm just oh the movie. Oh, I'm just I'm mentioning sorry. coincidentally. Oh, okay. I'm so sorry. That was my mistake. Uh, well, I said Gremlin, so it was much later than that, but uh, let, let me, okay. I'll tell you, I'll tell you where, when this, uh, when the movie I'm talking about uh, took place. That was in 1987. 1987 was this movie. Mm, was it, was it, um. It's a neo-noir psychological horror. Oh. And an adaptation of a William Hertzberg <laughs> 1978 <laughs> novel. <laughs> um. But it helped to 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. No, that wouldn't help me at all. Oh, I can't. Okay, so 87 horror movie. Big everyone you all know who this is, right? I am I am wasting your time because you're all just like I got to be a game show host for at least a bit of each episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So 87. By the way, this keeps you awake. I know you're sleepy. I'm not sleepy. I'm fine. <laughs> fine. Maybe I, have a sour I'm past my sleepy part of the day. Well. Okay, here's the thing. There was also a female um uh co-star in it. Yeah. Uh who was best known for a sitcom, her sitcom work. It was surprising that she was in this. And the uh, the the person that she did the sitcom with did not care for this movie. And did not care for her doing this movie. But in retrospect, yeah. fuck that guy. <laughs> Does that help you in any way? It doesn't. I wish it did. All right. I, I, I'm going to... Oh, cards all over. What, who, what was it? Uh, the film was Angel Heart. Oh. Angel Heart. How oh, so I you're talking about Lisa yeah. Bonet... Bill yeah. Cosby did not like her doing. That's right. Robert De, Robert De Niro was uh, Lou Cipher. Lou Cipher, that's right. Uh, or Louis Cipher, and yeah. uh, and Mickey Rourke, mm. who has had some ups and downs, uh, yes, was the has. lead. A very yeah. dark psychological horror movie uh, that takes place on anything can happen day. Wow, well, I did not know that. Right. Not a fan of that film. I know there's people who love it, but yeah, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan either. I thought it was um, so-so. And before we wrap up our TV guide, looking at, I got to yeah. tell you who's on Hollywood Squares today. Tell me who's that. Gary Mule Deer. Oh, do you think Gary George Goble? No, no. Uh, um, I know Paul, these. Uh, Paul Lind, seventy-six. Paul Lind, Center Square. Surprisingly, not today. What? Oh my gosh. Okay, so if Paul Lind's on there, is Joan Rivers uh, hanging out? No, no. How about Joanne Worley? Oh boy, I wish she was. She's great. <laughs> um, Fanny Flag. She must be. Oh there. boy, Fanny Flag. I guess Fanny Flag did do a bit of this, but no. She was more of a match game. I got to give you th- uh, five more guesses. Uh, okay. Um. So, uh, Artie. Johnson. Nope, but that's a really good guess. Ruth Buzzy? No, nope. I don't think she ever did it. Um, 
It's a weird mix, actually, now that I'm looking at it. <laughs> okay. I'm going to keep on trying here. Uh, Rich Little. No, I don't remember no? doing that show. I'm just trying to think of people I remember doing that. I don't know. Who 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 did it? Tell me. Ernest Borgnine. What? Lynn Anderson. Karen Sing- Valentine. Lynn Anderson, singer of Harbor Valley PTA. Is I that guess the... so, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, Karen Valentine. Okay. That makes sense. Sure. Anthony Newley. What? All right. Bernadette Peters. Well, that makes solid sense. Good looking lady. Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> what the heck? Yeah. I love it though. That's great. Big Bird. It's Big Bird Center? This is a very good question. I think I would assume so. I'd have to assume. Yeah. Who else do you make center? Yeah. You got Carol He's a big, Spinney there yeah. working both. Yeah. Oh, that's a lot of work for Carol Spinney. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Maybe you could have someone else doing the mouth work for uh, Oscar and him just doing the voice. Yeah. I just like the idea of people, of of, of uh, the host. What was his name? Peter something. Anyway. But just like, just calmly asking Oscar questions <laughs> about, we polled 50 bachelors. Yeah, yeah. Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And ask them what they look for the most in yeah, yeah. In, in a uh, potential uh, partner. Yeah. What do they trash? <laughs> well, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Um, a good spirit. Oscar says a good spirit. <laughs> I'll, I'll agree. Oh no, it was nice ass. Seventies. <laughs> Correct answer. Nineteen seventies. <1970s. laughs> That is an interesting. Uh, that's an interesting mix there. I like that. I like that. I like that. That feels like you could just be reading like the listing for MeTV from yesterday and all the shows you mentioned there. Here's the weird thing about okay, so Hollywood Squares, yes, gets a little blue sometimes. There's especially with 1970, especially with Paul Lynn. Yes, you know when that he's was around, his, that he's, was his forte. Is your double entendre jokes? Yes. So you're a young person. You're flicking around. Yeah. You see Big Bird and Oscar. <laughs> They probably like, they probably toned it down a bit for that show. This is clearly for me. They might have toned it down a bit for that. That or episode. it's just Big Bird. Well, yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. It's like, well, you see, a glory hole is. Nah, I'm not gonna tell you. <laughs> That's fine. Because I, I think, yeah, J.P. Morgan wasn't disrobing for that show. That was a Gong Show. Gong Show. Ah, J.P. Morgan. Yeah, she didn't. Uh, she didn't disrobe for the Muppets. <laughs> she did not disrobe for the Muppet Show because you know you knew you you had an you you knew the audience you didn't want to like you know and I'm sure for, I'm sure for that episode of Hollywood Squares they toned down on the double entendre maybe yeah I hope so or just like constantly had Big Bird be shocked <laughs> and Oscar going go dirtier <laughs> dirtier I like trash I remember one thing I liked about J P Morgan what's J P Morgan's name like a, a parody of the, the financier, yeah. I, I'm, I, maybe it's a parody name, yeah. basically. But spelled differently because hers was actually like J, like J A Y E or something. Yeah, but right? it's a it's a gag on that, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Sounds like it. Um, but I remember her on the Muppets, and there was a, a sketch that the singing sketch uh, was like a, I think Rock and Robin or some such. Yeah, and they're both birds, and then they come off and just uh, you know, oh, that was a cute sketch. That was cute. And then she says to Kermit, I believe, I hate cute. And as a kid, like going, you can hate cute. That's interesting. That's interesting to know you can hate cute. This opens up a lot of possibilities for me. Mm. Yeah. I had a childhood crush on her from her being on the gong show, of course. Mm-hmm. And I saw the episode where she threw her broad onto the onto the. Did set. you see uh, any of the nudity? No. Did you? Okay. So did you ever happen upon a, a ponst? I was about to say. A ponst. That's not a word. There at was all. footage of, of it. 
there's but they did not show it on television. They they cut to it. They a, did and they didn't. Okay. Um, <laughs> if you ever saw the Gong Show movie, I have not seen which that. they have shown on television, yeah. and if you see that, then you will see yes, <laughs> and a bit more of the Popsicle Twins. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, yeah. Whereas on TV, they were they were, they just cut to camera three or whatever, which was just yeah. a shot of the stage, and someone's garments come in. <laughs> it's great, you know. Yep. I'm sure it was not planned. No. <laughs> what the heck? It was funny. Is my dad had a demo reel of his of his work as a when he wanted to be a DJ. He had like a demo reel of him doing like a shift, and uh, one of the songs he played was "Stormy Weather," something sung by J.P. Morgan. Oh, okay. Which is a kid I was really surprised by because mm. I knew her from the Gong Show, but I didn't realize why she was on the Gong. I didn't know she was like a singer. It's kind of like when you discovered that Julie London, who played Dixie on Emergency, had like a long career as a singer with. Her husband. Bobby Troop, yes, who also was on the show as Dr. Early. Yeah, yeah which is also they're weird. They're married? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, this is all wrong. This is all wrong. <laughs> yeah, because she has like a closer relationship with, with the other doctor. The other doctor. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> this makes no sense. It's weird. Yeah. Dr. Early. Nobody looks so hangdog. Oh, my He's a wife's cuckold. getting it on He's with a... the other doctor. Why is this my fetish? <laughs> oh, well. Boobity boo, boo, boo. Yeah, no, it's weird. But yeah, she so had a long career. So, yeah, it's weird. Because she's in uh, The Girl Can't Help It, I think. The movie The Girl Can't Help It. She sings Moon River or something like that. One of those oh, kind cool. of movies. Or maybe Stormy Weather as well. <laughs> One of those movies that she sings like a very sultry version of I that I feel song. like she sang on Emergency once. There was some excuse. Okay. And they well, that's found good. a reason. And they did. Why not? So the other doctor, is he from anything else? Or was he just... Uh, the, uh, the handsome Pete who... Uh, she yeah, was, I uh, think most everyone else in the show is just like a regular actor. But for whatever reason, they hired Julie London to play that role. And mm. for some reason, uh, Bobby Troop became involved and just kind of... And they liked him as Dr. Early. And he yeah, just, just comes in and uh, he's good. does his thing. And, uh, yeah, he's good. All right, time to go. Oh, man, I got to watch some more. I have, a, I have all that show yeah, on. Yeah, of course you do. I want you. It's some way to watch know. it. I need to sit down and just go through it all again. There's a lot of respect between uh, them and the paramedics, and I like it. I like the respect. Well, they have to earn that respect, though, because originally the doctor is the handsome doctor. Yeah, doctor, that's in the early very, bullshit very episodes. Very, I get yeah. it. Well, because the original one was ta- was was like, it was talking, it was coming from, a, from the point of view that it was, at that time, like, brand new. Yep. Paramedics were like a whole new idea, and yeah, so in the ep- in the show itself, yeah. they're the first ones. That's right, and so the doctor has to get his mind around this idea that they're going to be allowing people who have not gone through training, ha- don't have not taken the Hippocratic oath, who are going to be now, you know, doing medical procedures on people. And of course, that's, people will die. <laughs> and that's why. The field. And there's that scene where he goes to Sacramento in the pilot episode. He goes to Sacramento and talks to the state legislature. And he, you know, and it's like a, uh, like a moment of conscience for him or whatever. And he comes up on down on the side of paramedics, which save lives. And so then he recommends it, you know. But he does. He says like, I was against this until I until I looked into it and realized how important this would be as a life saving measure. And uh, he's the person who turns the vote to, to allowing paramedics. And obviously, it's just made up for the show, but it's yeah. still it's still an interesting in the, moment in, for in that. In the reality doctor. of the show, I think they have to throw away that pilot because. You know, when they talk about the paramedic program, they never then turn to Johnny and just go, and you were the first one, right? You were the first one who did it, right? Because that would be something we'd know, right? Like, oh, I'm just a, just a guy. I like girls. Johnny and, Johnny and Roy, yeah. I like yeah, girls. Both. I like going, I like hanging out with girls. I'm a little dumb, but I'm good at my job. 
<laughs> He's just kind of... Hey, Roy, what's multiplication? <laughs> well, Johnny, I'll tell you later on. <laughs> it's, not... it's, it's confusing to me. <laughs> I like I like their characters. I think it's fun. Yeah, it's good. Not a good interplay. Yeah, it's a good show. It's very... Um, for its time, it was very... Uh, we, it's very advanced in its me- the medicine it talks about. I've mentioned it before, but I love the episode that has like a woman getting... Um, being uh, op- not operated, but being tr- treated for a heart attack, and they show that very rarely on television because you have to like have the woman's mm-hmm. shirt open, and so that's not easy to show on television. And so what they did was they put the they put the uh, those the, the nurses and stuff in front of this person, so they they like had the her, the the people were operating on her blocking us from seeing what exactly you know seeing all that part of it. But they we do see them like tearing it open. They see like it's actually more effective. What, that it's so far back because everyone is it's like a one take and so everyone is doing like their job in this really like efficient way and you see it all working and it really works well and the, unfortunately the lady dies and she dies yeah. for reasons that are really stupid uh, how so well her and a friend would play this sort of uh, game of chicken where they would overdose on drugs and the other friend would have to like make sure to get to them in time that they would be okay like not, not like on head like not like heroin but on like yeah. sleeping pills and stuff like that so she takes an overdose of sleeping pills and kind of goes into a coma and then in the coma she has a heart attack and dies yeah. and it's you know it feels like a real waste of a human life but it's a really effective sequence in the in the show and i really like that and i also like in the show that they'll often put like roy and and um what's the other guy's name sorry uh johnny johnny in like situations seem like really dangerous like there's one episode really dangerous so like they're they're on rocks in like yeah. this raging sea yeah. and the and the the waves are like splashing up over them and every episode has like a high rescue as well like yeah very yeah. very up high i'm like where's the rope <laughs> like where's that rope there. it's I'm not I mean, seeing it there's a couple of young guys i guess who are just kind of game her game for this uh it's weird like it's a strange yeah how high they'll be and I, I mean some of the actors were actual firemen like yeah. the captain was That's an actual right. fireman, and, and some of the other actors who who cut you know not Chet and stuff like that. Yeah. They're like they're the for, one or two liners who just yeah, yeah. like chili again. <laughs> oh boy, just shut up about my chili. <laughs> just eat the chili. Yeah, exactly. Mm. That's what. Those, but those guys were real, so you could have like real like it felt real when they were like getting the the hose ready and stuff like that. It seemed like real confident people doing doing those things yeah they're and, all business mm-hmm. and that show i love that show so much as a kid i quit cub scouts because it interfered with me being able to see an emergency did it ever make you want to be a firefighter no or paramedic actually i did want to be a firefighter i should say that shouldn't say no i did want to be a firefighter uh not as a kid but as an as an adult i thought okay. that would be a good job like being on the volunteer uh langley has a volunteer force so being a volunteer fireman i thought that would be a good job at least i said no <laughs> so i said nope too dangerous and uh those people uh, it's really prone to cancer because of all the chemicals they deal with. Mm. And I went, oh, yeah. well, all right. And I said, I already had cancer. I'm immune. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. I have natural immunity to I've cancer. Got, I've got all the antibodies. <laughs> so I don't have to worry myself. How do you say smoking a cigar? <laughs> that's right. Smoking a cigar, eating some plastic. <laughs> yeah. No, it's. Uh, I did kind of. Did you ever... Do you, did you watch Emergency when you were? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much enjoyed it. Did it make uh, you want to be a fire person? Uh, no, no, I don't like heights. So the heights was not mm, so good. Mm. The doctor stuff didn't, seemed interesting. Okay. You know, it just seemed like it was always solving a mystery. It was like, mm, someone comes in, you got to figure it out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if they're a teenager uh, and they did one thing stupid, they're going to die. <laughs> 
Because it's a morality play. It's a morality play for sure. Yeah, if it's a mother who's just going, just go play outside. And just like, (laughs) mom, not now. Kid's dead. Kid ate paint. The end. (laughs) The end. Your life's ruined. That's right. Then we, We learned that it's important that you put your paint on a high shelf so kids can get to it. That's right. It's important that you learn these things. You have to have pretend sacrifices in order to hammer home these points it feels those feel more earned than the kid who you never saw until like an episode before it happened and then he takes pcp and jumps off a roof sure that's felt less earned to me than those well because it's all yeah it's all randos on this show so it, it does make <laughs> sense you you would yeah the other thing that we would repeat to each other me and my wife when we we're watching the, the the thing when we've done our yeah. go-throughs again yeah uh is uh when will hippies learn <laughs> They just don't get it. They, don't they get just it. don't get they it. They think, hey, man, we like playing on the railroad tracks and doing, uh, you don't know, man. The, the man can't keep us down. I know. And you're just thinking, like, the doctors are jazz musicians. <laughs> like, they've never smoked pot. You're telling me. You're telling me. Yeah. The, doctor, the doctors. The jazz music. The, guy the doctors who wrote, are jazz musicians. The guy who wrote Route sixty six. The doctor did not. The guy write who Route wrote 66. Route sixty six. He did not write Route sixty six. Didn't he? Doctor Early did not write Route sixty six. Oh, who wrote Route sixty six? Bobby okay. Troop. Oh, that's the right. actor playing the character of the doctor. Right, right, the right. doctors aren't jazz musicians. Well, they, that's a great image, though. They the, you go into the staff. <laughs> they go into the staff room, and there's a guy, the doctor playing stand-up bass. Someone doing some spoken poetry. Some hey, man, poetry. His heart rate was going like this. No, no, it's more of a. It was more of a six-eight. Well, his heart shouldn't have been beating 5-4. That's Brubeck, man. He's going full Brubeck. Got to get that guy in some thinners. I listened to his heart that was going... Okay, well, first of all, he's got to take five. Next thing he's got to do. That's right. Pick up sticks. This is a, this situation is... It's Code Blue Rondo Ella Turk. Oh, boy. Okay. That's a song from... Well, it's time take for five. surgery because we're going for the deep cuts. <laughs> <laughs> the the one the one jazz fan out there is slapping their knee. Code blue, Rondo Elliturk. I wonder in the uh, new Doctor Strange movie if he's still going to be doing his music stuff, or if that feels like the kind of thing that seemed like a clever idea in your first movie, and like let's forget that forever. Sorry, say that again. Sorry. Remember in Doctor Strange how like okay. they start playing like a song, and he go, "It's this," and he he say the exact uh, oh, length yeah. of the song, and he do all that yeah. business. Well, that's when he's a douchebag. So. That's right. He's when he's a douchebag. But yeah. like, I'm betting in any future Doctor no. Strange thing, nope. No, that was that was a good idea for movie number one. Yeah, when he's a good douche. Good night. Yeah, yeah. Because that's that's kind of douchey. Yeah. Like, also, the music stuff is kind of Guardians. You know, they do the music stuff. <laughs> they play the <laughs> that's music. That's their stuff. thing. That's their thing. Yeah. Doctor Strange has his own stuff. But he's doesn't fine. Captain Marvel have her like '90s rock playlist that she rides a motorcycle to? Uh, I think well. She steals a motorcycle, so yeah. I think it's whatever's they, playing. They play Elastica. Yeah, but it's only it's only what's playing on the motorcycle when she's you know she's, <laughs> okay. whatever she's stolen. She doesn't buy anything. Yeah, yeah. She didn't go into Blockbuster and pick up some uh, some VHS tapes and some uh, CDs. <laughs> Would they sell CDs there? No, no they, they did not sell CDs. I'm trying to think what they sold at the uh, front. There was candy. Yes, and popcorn bags. There's popcorn, like microwaveable popcorn. Ugh, but would just burn in a heartbeat. <laughs> just burn in a heartbeat. We had our own. We had our own. Uh, we did have a blockbuster, but I didn't really go there. I went to the local Aldergrove's only good on video you. place. 
Yeah, it's just yeah. nicer. I went to the local supermarket and I checked out one of the 15 movies they had. <laughs> and it was fine. Once I saw them all, I checked them out again. That's right. I They had all the best Kathy Bates movies there. <laughs> it's all fine. All of them. You know, that one and the other one. The one, the hot tub. That one. All of them. There you go. About keep, Schmidt? About Schmidt. That's uh, the hot tub. Fried green tomatoes. Okay. Does that have uh, a hot misery. tub? Misery. Yeah, they've all got hot tub scenes. <laughs> That's in her contract. It's like yeah. hot tub scene, hot tub scene, hot tub scene. Uh, the late, the late shift. Yeah, hot tub scene. <laughs> That's all the Kathy Bates movies I can think of. That's all I know. You said more. You said three more than I know. <laughs> yeah. No, I said two more than I know. Uh, Dolores Claiborne. Okay. There's one more with that actor. Yeah, there was other actors who in looks, it. You got me there. You think, oh, it's Sam Watterson. Oh no, it's this actor. Who's different? He's also in Nomadland. Now I can't think of his name for whatever stupid reason. Oh, damn, damn my brain! If I was able to access Wikipedia, I would. Uh, That's okay. We don't need to answer these questions. By the That's way, uh, when you're talking about um, a woman having a heart attack and the thing, uh, that's good that they did that because uh, something that they do now when, in medical shows is they make sure they let you know that uh, women's heart attacks are a little bit different than men's heart attacks. That's sometimes. the thing, and so at that yeah. time, when people like women. Uh, you know, if you think of those shows as a way to recognize heart attack, part of like the public service element of those of those Jack uh, Jack Webb produced shows um, was the fact that yeah, like we can show men's, but we can't show how women have heart attacks, and it's different exactly. Yep. So it's good that they can do it now. And I don't know how they do it on modern shows, but and I was gonna I, watch say, I was gonna list symptoms, but you know what? L- look it up because my uh, my reference here is bad. I'm not gonna quote from WebMD. I'm not doing it. I like you guys too much. Not going to do it. Why is it bad? WebMD and Healthline are just, uh, eh. They'll, they'll, they'll lead you to worst case scenarios immediately. Okay. And, you know, it's basically, how are you feeling today, Dave? Oh, a little cold. Cancer, huh? <laughs> That's that. That's basically WebMD and Healthline, both of them. That's yeah, I don't, I don't Google uh, symptoms. Yeah. yeah, your eyes are going to fall out, I guess. That's what's going to happen. It's the worst case scenario. <laughs> Oof. Too bad for me. Um, Dave. Yes, sir. At the, uh, at the two-hour mark. No, we have not been talking for two hours. We have. Oh, my God. We came by around 4.30. It is now 6.30 uh, our time, I believe. Uh, uh, we occasionally talk about uh, vampires. I was wondering if you're keen on doing that today. I am keen on doing that today because today is uh, time for Dork Shadows. It's time for me to get another Sprite while you start this up. Sure. Do you want to, do you want another soda yourself, sir? Oh, uh, yes, please. Thanks. Very good. All right, everybody. I'm going to take off my old glasses because I cannot read with my glasses on. Unless I hold my hand three feet away, or hold my hand three feet away from my face in order for it to focus. Um, all right. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to assume that we start, we left last time with a, sorry, everybody. We left la- last time with a seance, right? We had a seance last episode? I so. Uh... Thank you. Mrs. Johnson took on the spirit of Madame Findlay, the medium who came to the house sent there by, uh, by, 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 sent there by Professor Stokes. And, uh, and, and she, wow, that was, annoying. that was loud. Unlike mine, which was very subtle. Very subtle, yes. Very subtle. You didn't even know what happened. It was just the you? essence of opening a can. <laughs> the of, um, I don't know why I opened it because I can't drink it for more than half an hour now or however long it takes me to do this. Um, so, yeah, so it was a seance. Mrs. Johnson had the spirit of Mrs. or Madame Findlay take over her, and, and Madame Findlay told everyone that she had been murdered. Moited! Now, how does this affect the rest of the uh, the shows? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. In fact, it doesn't. I don't think it comes up again. It's a but, real elementary. 
situation. So we open the next episode with Julia and Barnabas in the uh, living room. Or Still not a vampire. Or parlor yeah. of, of Collinwood discussing the seance. In other words, what I'm saying is recapping last episode. We learn that um, Madame Finley, through Mrs. J, mentioned the panel, a panel in the wall, and the children as well. And Barnabas gives three possible reasons why she would say this. Okay. One, the children are in danger. We know that's not true. We know the children aren't yeah, in danger. Kinda, well, they're possessed, right? Two, yeah. they know something about the murder of Madame Finley. Mm-hmm. Three, they murdered Madame Finley. Now, I don't think that's, I don't know if that's true. But Barnabas decides that they can safely question Amy. David, they can't, they don't want to talk to David. Now, what would you reason. say Barnabas is... Uh motivations are nowadays he's no longer a vampire he's no longer a vampire what does he want he wants to protect the collins family okay that is his thing he is all all about the collins family and so you know he's most concerned about them and i guess the people in the satellite of of the collins family all right so he's kind of a good guy now yeah he's kind of changed his motivation all right all right so um yeah they decided they're going to question amy so uh they start questioning her and basically, Amy says, uh, why the questions? Is there a question to them? And Barnabas says, because... That is a question. He says, because they're looking for her. But I don't know what that means. It's a weird thing. He says, because we're looking for her. I don't know if Jonathan Frid okay. misread his cue card or what happened, but it's quite common. Like That quite, is funny that they don't redo. Yeah, yeah. They'll just like... They'll be, you know, it's quite, it's so fun when one of the actors loses their spot or whatever and just starts mangling the scene. The other actor has to basically like feed them the, the whole idea of it. But anyway, after Amy leaves, uh, Julia decides she wants to, Chris, Chris, uh, who she rather questioned is Chris Jennings because she's all wondering what's going on here. So at Chris's cottage, Amy shows up unexpectedly and uh, she tells a confused Chris that she's glad he's going to be okay. He's like, well, was I not going to be okay? I don't understand. And then in the middle of this, Barnabas and Julia then show up and they kind of shoo Amy away. Amy, you go back home and play with David, they say to her, which is very healthy for you. And then uh, (laughs) Julia tells Chris she's going to hypnotize him to learn more about Beth because that's what she wants to know about. I guess she wants to know why she saw had a woman appear in her room sobbing Hmm. that led them to the cottage and saved him when he'd been poisoned. Everyone, I'm just going to have a quick drink of of pop because my throat is kind of dusty. Let me back uh, Dave up on this. Dave is drinking the pop, and he's uh, taking a sip. Yeah, a couple of sips. That's good. Comes More of a gulp. Throat. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <clears throat> good. It's good stuff. Yeah. That's good. Um, now, in the dark woods, Amy's walking home, and she is approached by the ghost of Beth, Ooh. who gives Amy a little doll, a kind of an ancient figurine sort of character. At first, Amy is confused, but then she seems to understand. It's classic kid acting of, huh? And then that sort of thing like a... <laughs> oh, yeah. Nodding head a lot. Hmm. I get it now. Back at the cottage, Julia hypnotizes Chris and then asks him if he has seen or knows anything about Beth. Hmm. Here's what we learn, everybody. Chris doesn't know anything. <laughs> so that's a washout. <laughs> it's a complete wash. That's Julia and Barnabas. Dark filler. <laughs> return to Collinwood. <laughs> they discuss Chris. They decide if Julia can't <laughs> cure Chris, they must expose him okay. as, a, as a werewolf. Oh, that's better. Okay. Meanwhile, <laughs> I think Chris can only... Ex- just pull down his pants. He can expose himself. That's right. <laughs> Look at this werewolf penis. 
It's kind of like what James Bond's got. What do you mean? <laughs> That's right. You can get that from being a werewolf or being uh, beaten about the uh, testicles while sitting in the chair. Um, meanwhile, Chris is sitting disconsolately by the fire. Just kind of sitting there. It's sort of like the director's like, you know, this many beats. Suddenly, he gets up and leaves the cottage. Okay. Outside in the woods, he meets Beth. Beth is all over these woods. She points off in the distance, but Chris doesn't understand what she's saying. At Collinwood, Julia is looking for Amy, and then she and Barnabas begin looking for her together when Chris rushes in to tell Barnabas that he met Beth in the woods. Barnabas immediately suggests that he and Chris go to the spot where he met Beth. I just want to point out to Ian that he'll okay. see where I fell asleep while I was writing these notes. <laughs> a bit of scribbling on the page. I fell asleep and I woke up two hours later with this book in my lap and uh, I just Completely went, filled. I just went to bed. <laughs> That'd be creepy. Completely filled. Yeah, that would be weird. Um, kill them all. <laughs> Here's how to do it. Okay. Uh, so when they return, they're looking around and he's like, well, where did you see her? And blah, blah, blah. And then Chris turns and looks and there's a shovel leaning against the tree. And he goes, that wasn't there before. And they decide, well, we have a shovel. We're supposed to dig in this spot. So they start digging. And, of course, it's Chris who digs. Barnabas watches. He says, we'll have to dig. And then he hands the shovel to Chris. Uh, now, back with at, the digging, are they digging actually outdoors or are they fake digging in they don't. Set? We don't see them digging. Okay. We cut to Collinwood. Good. Where Julia finds Amy playing with the doll given to her by Beth. And they comment on the doll. And then we go back to Chris and Barnabas, who have now finished digging. <laughs> And they've discovered... Did they wipe a brow? Yeah, that's right. Ooh, boy, that's I have a lot of work. Uh, a lot of work digging this completely rectangular, perfect rectangle. They don't even see it because it's a wooden floor. Do you think we get work on Supernatural? Maybe one day. <laughs> Maybe one day. <laughs> one of those seasons. Um, yeah, they discover a child's coffin has been buried by the tree. And, of course, as one does when one finds a child's coffin, you open it. Make a wish. To look inside. <laughs> and what's funny is they, they open it... And then they just stand there, staring into it, because that's the end of the episode. Oh, and then that's a that's a dark shadow. Yeah. <laughs> so we start the next episode after the uh, after they recap them doing all this stuff. I'm gonna take a guess at what's in the coffin. Hmm? Doll? No. Huh. A dead child. Ugh. I don't like that. A long dead child. Like, that's not even. That's not good. Inside the coffin, they find a necklace with a pentagram on it, with the two tips pointed down. Which apparently I didn't know this. But Barnabas says, someone needed protection. They needed protection, dot, 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 from a werewolf. So wait, a pentagram protects you from a werewolf? I guess if it's a silver one? I don't know. Okay. But if the two points are down? Down, then it's protection from a because werewolf. Because when, when, uh, when you look in the mirror and see the werewolf symbol, like the pentagram on your head, it's, mm -hmm. ups, it's upside down the one point. Yeah. That means you're going to die. But if you put yeah. a pentagram, counter it. Werewolf goes, oh, wait, my mistake, sir. Didn't realize you were a member. Yeah. Uh, but... <laughs> That's right. That isn't by the company. I'm a member. Um, the uh... Werewolf insurance. <laughs> so then they rebury the coffin, which is, you know, they keep the... Classy. Classy, at least. Yeah. At least respecting the dead. Yeah. This dead child that they opened up the thing and disturbed. Uh, played baseball with the bones. All this, however, all this is uh, observed by Quentin. He's standing off in the woods. Silent as always, watching, glowering. At Collinwood, Carolyn catches David with... Can you guess what she catches him with? I can't remember. I have to turn the page. Catches him with... That's where I fell asleep again. A book. <laughs> a book about ghosts and exorcism. 
Okay. Maybe thinking about getting rid of Quentin? Hmm. I, just, I wish they'd tell me the title of the book. I'm kind of curious what you call it. Typical Children's Bedtime Fair. Sure. That's what I would call that. Um, David begins to confide in Carolyn, but he sees he's being watched by Quentin, who is strangely standing outside looking through the window. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. He's a ghost. He could be in the room if he wanted, but he's just outside. Uh, which kind of... So David cuts the conversation short. Later, he is with Quentin, who, against David's wishes, wants him to steal the necklace. Later, Barnabas is examining the necklace in the uh, most common area they do anything, the the living room or whatever you want to call it. Uh, well, David is playing this throwing game, which Barnabas finds strangely annoying. It's just like a, it's like a, a I can see why he finds it annoying because it's kind of gross. So it's like he's throwing these suction cup darts at a board. Yeah. But every time he throws one, he licks it. Ugh. Like literally goes, licks it and then throws it at this board and it sticks to it. But you know, this is pre-COVID time, so it's okay. It's fine. You can sure. Do kind of and stuff. also, look, hey, Barnabas. Yeah. Don't you drink blood out of people's necks? <laughs> Not anymore. But you did. Yeah, because I was cursed. Yeah. Did you, you think were, I wanted to do it? You were an undead corpse. I was driven. That would drink blood yeah. out of people's necks. Mm-hmm. And now you're going, ew, you're licking the darts. Yeah. Gross. Yeah, it's also very noisy. And I'm okay, trying to look. princess. I'm using a magnifying glass and trying to look at the necklace over here. Wait, he's looking. Okay. Yeah. Barnabas is looking at through. Uh, through uh, uh, so he's got bad vision? Well, it's very small. And he's trying to read the writing on it. Huh. Uh, which he can't, re- he can't do it very well because he's old. Even though he's a vampire. Um, yeah. Okay. Then Carolyn comes in and she takes an interest in the necklace and she's like, oh, can I look at it? And so she looks at the, she looks at it and she goes, oh, I recognize this. And she goes, gets a candlestick and turns it upside down and shows Barnabas that it has the same markings on it as on the necklace. Ah, okay. So it was built by the same silversmith who has then did a lot of work for this family over the years called Mr. Braithwaite. And so Barnabas says, well, I guess I'll phone Mr. Braithwaite and... And so while he's phoning Mr. Braithwaite, David steals the necklace, but he does it in a very clever way, everyone. He steals the necklace, hides it behind the gross dripping board that he's been throwing these bar- darts <laughs> uh. against. And then when Barnabas comes back and can't find the necklace and sort of says, well, David, did you take it? And David's like, no, I didn't take it. And then he proves it. He empties out his pockets for Barnabas. And then when Barnabas isn't looking, he sneaks the necklace out from behind this dripping board and puts it into his pocket. Oh. Nah. And so, uh, so Barnabas cannot find this this necklace but he visits mr braithwaite and mr braithwaite says well i can't really help you very much well, a you don't have the necklace with you so i'm not too sure what you're talking about and i can't remember what you're talking about but i'll look it up in our files but i just want to tell you that mr braithwaite is a 90 year old man a 90 year old man okay in the show's chronology because yeah. he has made this necklace back in the 1890s all right or whenever it was and now it's the 1960s and he's still alive but he's played by abe vigoda oh nice does a really good job. It's kind of funny. So Abe Vigoda, yeah. it's, 19, it's the 1960s. He's 46 when this I was. Know, this is the thing. This is the thing. Born to play old. This is the thing. You, uh, Someone was mentioning the other day, it was like, uh, hey, how old do you think Ruth Gordon was in Harold and Maude? And uh, you go, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to hear. And mm-hmm. I, want, I don't want to hear that she was like the age I am now. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> How old was she? I don't know, but you, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be depressing. Yeah, it's gonna be like oh, forty nine. It'll be like <laughs> something like that. Well, I would call it depressing because Ruth Gordon, if she was forty nine when she did that movie, she was not aging very well at all. Like you should be, you should be happy that you look younger than Ruth Gordon did in in uh, Harold and Maude if she was forty nine. Well, she was born in uh, eighteen ninety six. I'm gonna do a little math on this while we're talking. Eighteen ninety six. So she would have been seventy eight. Or 76, sorry, 76. 
74. It's 72, the movie, right? 72, I think. Probably. Sure, why not? And so 90, 1998, or 1898, you said, right? 1971 was when Harold and Maude came Okay, out. so take a year off that. So she would okay. have been, because it's 70 plus, how many years? 71 years plus two, right? You said 80, 98? Well, so I'm going to tell you. She was 75. 75, okay. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. But most times when you have someone who's like... It's a good age to be a fucking a teenage boy. That's a perfect age, 75, as that movie proves. Anyway, <laughs> um, back to... <laughs> anyway, watch the movie. Harold Maude, better than you'd expect it to be from the description of what it is. <laughs> it is a great movie. I didn't even oh, know what it was. I just right. stumbled. I just stumbled upon it on TV, which is something I was talking about with some... Let's interrupt from Dark Shadows for a second. Something I was talking about at work the other day was, you know, I just said, mentioned something about, you know, like... Uh, catching something on television or whatever, and, and or I can't remember why. And, and he said, "Well, I'm old enough to remember like when there was channels, you know, because there's not really channels anymore the way there used to be." And I said, "Yeah." And I said, "What was nice about that time though is that you could stumble on things mm-hmm. that you didn't know that you'd like. You just would like turn to a channel randomly, and there'd be something on, and you'd be like, oh, this looks kind of interesting.' And you'd watch it, and you'd be like, oh, that was great.' You know, like I, the first time I saw Harold Lamott, I missed the beginning of it, so I, I didn't really get what was going on. But I just kind of got into it. Like, I just sort of, you know, was watching it. So I'm, I didn't understand why he was like, it doesn't really explain it, even if you've seen it. I didn't understand why he was doing what he was doing at the beginning of the movie, because I didn't see it from... All the, the suicide attempts. Yeah. I didn't see, suicide Yeah, attempt. I didn't see that. And so it just seemed funny, and I enjoyed that element of it. And then the movie's great, but I didn't, you know, I just tuned into it, you know, this is how it was in those days. You know, you just turn on the TV and you're like, I wonder what's on. Oh, this looks kind of cool. Well, to, to me, and again, we will get back to Dark Shadows for sure, um, is uh, noon, there would be the movie would be on. Mm-hmm. Be the noon movie. Sure. And so, again, and listen, I don't want to live in the past. I like to live in now. I'm happy with now. <laughs> but there's here's some things that are like, oh, that was kind of interesting back then. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah, it's a noon movie. So, like, you didn't know what it was going to be. No. You know, it's just like, it's a new movie, and here it is, Harold Maude, or whatever. It would be something random, like yeah. really random. There's no theme yeah. to any of these. Yeah. And you're like, well, I could watch this or not watch it. <laughs> I'm going to watch it. Yeah. And so you end up watching a movie that you've, uh, you know, just randomly, someone's just going, you want to watch a movie? I guess. I want to watch a movie. And maybe the host would come on every so often and just go, how are you liking the movie so far? Okay, well, you know, buy some carpets from this place. <laughs> and now back to this. When uh, I'm on CJAD Radio in Montreal. When I first started watching Channel 28, which was, I can't remember the name of that channel now. Um, it was owned by Stanley Kramer, or co-owned by Stanley Kramer, who is a Hollywood director. He directed, like, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, and the, the uh, who, who Catch the Wind, or whatever, Who Can Catch the Wind, or whatever, you know, the, the Scopus Monkey Trial. Well, will uh, inherit the wind. Inherit the wind, that's one, yeah. Um, Windbreaker. Windbreakers. There's a lot of movies like that, right? Very, <laughs> it was... The James Bond film. He directed it's a mad breaker. It's a mad, 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 mad world. So that was kind of you know. So, but what was interesting is he would introduce the Sunday movies. You know, so you get this Hollywood director who had like some stories about some of the actors and stuff that'd be in movies, and he'd tell these stories. He was very kind of a very slow-spoken man, so it was a little bit of a you know, you're kind of like, come on, oldster. But it was still it was interesting, you know, like uh, that you had this person with this experience who weirdly owned a TV station in Washington State. And would introduce the Sunday night movie, but it was great. That's like, neat. That's lucky. I just picture. Sorry, this is the image that's in my head. All he does is he comes out first of all, he introduces the movie, and now here's you know, the you know, the the man who had uh, too much knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> okay. And then they play it, and then like halfway, uh, like a third of the way through the movie, like the sexy woman uh, comes on. She's doing something, and then just cuts to him in a chair, and he just looks up at the camera. 
Ditter. <laughs> that just goes back to the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. He would just start, he would do like an intro before the film and he would talk about, and he would say, you know, when I work with Catherine Hepburn, blah, 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 blah. When I was, you know, in Hollywood, I knew so-and-so and, yeah. you know, it was interesting. Yeah, the little, you know, it might not have like great anecdotes. It might just be like kind of I was there or whatever, but it was, it was neat. It was neat. Better than my stories about Dork Shadows. Anyway, let's go back to Dork Shadows. I said Mr. Braithwaite, played by Abe, Abe Vigoda. It's pretty right. cool. The eternally old Abe Vigoda I wrote in my notes. Yeah. I'm, just I'm so witty. If I if I had Wikipedia, I'd look up his earliest uh, performance and see, like, did he ever play young? <laughs> Probably not. Um, yeah, so he promises to uh, look up in the records and he'll get back to, to Barnabas. Later that night, Chris and Carolyn are preparing to go out to dinner. Chris is eager. Though when, when Barnabas returns, Chris is eager to hear the results of Mr. Braithwaite's research because, of course, they found this the necklace together. However, when Braithwaite calls, David answers. Mm. Then, while he's talking to Mr. Braithwaite, Quentin takes the receiver from David and listens because he can't talk or he doesn't talk. Right. It's his choice. Choice not to talk. He's like Harpo. <laughs> Quentin communicates with a horn. Uh, Amy walks in and Quentin disappears. Amy is... Tells David she is suspicious of Quentin. He feels like he has cut her out of what's happening because he wants to kill Chris. And David's like, oh, no, that's not what he wants to do at all with his eyes darting back and forth. Liz, I haven't seen Liz for a while. Liz comes down the stairs with uh, happy news that David's father is coming home. Roger's coming home. He hasn't been on the show for a while. He's coming back and they have to go to the airport to uh, meet him. And David, who, you know, is under the thrall of Quentin, gets gets really uh, hysterical about this, that he has to leave the house and really distraught and refuses to go and runs to his room. And so then Liz is just kind of like, oh, I don't have time for this. And she leaves. And then David comes down and he and Amy talk about Quentin. And David tells Amy that Quentin has forbidden him to tell her, sorry, tell Barnabas about Mr. Braithwaite. And he feels bad about that. But uh, he doesn't know what's going on. But Mr. Braithwaite arrives and is welcomed in by David, and he calls, he says, he says to David, uh, he says, it's a newfangled name, he says to David, and David's like, oh, there's King David in the Bible, and he goes, I suppose there is, my name's Ezra, because <laughs> that's a real name, or something like that, and then, uh, okay. and then he, uh, he wants to look at the necklace, or he wants to, he gets out his, he has like a book of, uh, doesn't, he gets his book of, he has like a big, like, you know, ledger and he pull, pulls it out and he's and then he takes off his glasses and he puts on another pair of glasses and david goes i've never seen a man with two pairs of glasses before <laughs> he says well i've got my glasses to see people and i have my glasses to see things and so i have my glasses yeah. to see things on so i can read what's on this paper here and so he's looking down through the, the ledger and then david so he's never seen bifocals they're not bifocals i know i know but like the idea of like you know Two sets of glasses. Yeah. One yeah. for far away and one for near. Yeah. I've David. never such seen such a thing. David. Well, David's just a little boy. So. Okay. Yeah. Here's, by the way, just a quick thing. Just curious. King David. Yes. The Bible. Anyone ever called him Dave? Uh, hey, Dave. <laughs> well. Again, his friends. Call me Dave. I w- I, okay. First thing. I don't. I wonder if it's actually David in like Hebrew mm. or if it's like a different print. You know what I mean? Like it's. It maybe a different. Yeah. Like maybe he's actually King Shlomo, but Shlomo's been translated into David. I don't know. I'm just saying, but you know, who you knows? Ever get, you ever get called Shlomo? All the time. Yeah, I, I mean, you wouldn't call him Davy. That'd be a that'd be a problem. But uh, Dave. 
Well, Goliath called him Davy. Well, that is a very hey, good Davy. Yeah, that's right. And just collecting foreskins, like, hey, Dave, <laughs> you know what? I don't think you should be doing that, Davy. Yeah, that's too many foreskins, Davy. <laughs> I've got 200 in this bag. <laughs> that's way too many foreskins. That's, uh... Count them if you want. You know what? I'm going to trust you. He just flicks them like cards by his ear. <laughs> that's 200, all right. <laughs> King Soul takes him. He's just like, got it, got it, got it, got it, need it, got it, got it, got it, got it, need it. All right. And then next to him, there's a guy who's uh, doing that dart thing and just licking them and like throwing them at a board. And the guy's gross. <laughs> We're trying to count foreskins here. <laughs> That's a new segment, the foreskinny. All right. Um, and I'll just give you a bit of trivia yep. here just real quick. Sure. Uh, Abe Vigoda basically just did a little bit of random tr- TV stuff before his uh, mm. run on Dark Shadows where he's – I won't say how many episodes he's in, but it's a couple. Yeah. Um, but immediately after that, yeah. uh, the next job he got, Godfather. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Then, of course, was Fish on uh, Barney Miller. Yeah, that was a while later. Yeah. He's I'm also sure... in a movie that scared the hell out of me because I watched it on the noon movie, The Devil's Daughter. Yeah. Scared the he hell w- out of me. He was a New York actor, so more he was more like a Broadway guy than he was a, a TV guy than later on. he. Anyway, David leaves to uh, get Barnabas. Of course, he's not really going to get Barnabas. Mm. Oh, maybe he does go get Barnabas. Sorry, he goes to get Barnabas. The ghost of Quentin enters the room, but because Braithwaite has put on his reading glasses on his glasses for seeing things, he cannot see who Quentin is. He can tell it's not Barnabas, though, so he assumes okay. that he is a friend of Barnabas. Okay, so... And he begins to natter away about the necklace, and... Let's turn the page, everybody. Natter away about the necklace, and he reads out that the inscription was meant to guard the wearer from the wrath of Cerberus. Hmm. That's very interesting. It was ordered by Beth Chavez... On the account of Quentin Collins, we learn all this. And then Braithwaite, uh, after he's read this, he changes his reading glasses to his people glasses. And he sees Quentin for the first time. And he recognizes Quentin because he remembers Quentin. I mean, Quentin, of course, would have been... He's seen Quentin at the age he saw him 90 years ago. Right. Or whatever, six years ago. And he says, uh, he recognizes Quentin and uh, helpfully points out that he's dead. Mm. Quentin's dead. At which point, Quentin kills him. Okay. Meanwhile, upstairs, David is trying to tell Barnabas about Braithwaite, but Barnabas is going on about them figuring out what's wrong with Amy. You know, we have to figure out what's wrong with Amy. And David's like, well, thanks for ignoring me because I'm also messed up, but okay. David can finally can finally get into word edgewise so that they go down to meet Braithwaite. They discover the corpse of Ezra Braithwaite. Meanwhile, Julia is in the West Wing looking through old picture albums. She finds a photo of Beth from 1897. As she goes to leave... The door to the room slams shut, trapping her in the room. Then uh, there's thunder. You know what? This show practically always a thunderstorm going on. But the, the, is it always the same thunderstorm? Yeah, it's pretty much the same. It? Yeah, it's pretty much the same effect. Uh, but there's like the sound of thunder, and and the wind kind of picks up, and all the curtains start billowing in the room, and she starts getting a little frightened with what's going on. She feels like there's someone in the room with her, but she can't see where they are. And then uh, Barnabas comes to her rescue, and then, like I say, Julia swears that there's someone in the room with her. Then they discover that somehow the picture of Beth has been snatched from the photo album. It's gone. Downstairs, Chris and Carolyn return from their date and uh, make goo-goo eyes at each other. Chris then returns to the cottage where he begins to transform. Even though there's no moon, he's transforming without a full moon. He calls Barnabas for help, and Barnabas and Julia go over there. They arrive uh, using Julia's car. Barnabas 
Progress drives Chris to the <laughs> mausoleum, leaving Julia behind. That's good. To, huh? When when would you say Barnabas would have learned to drive? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> like he was he was a guy in oldie days, yeah, no yeah. cars, yeah. become a vampire. You don't learn to drive when no. you're a vampire. No, you can't check the mirrors. You can't like it's weird. And then uh, and then yeah. So how do you? Hmm. I guess he took took lessons. Maybe Vicky taught him. Yeah, he, in no way he has a license. There's no. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, Although, there'd I, be no record of him. He wasn't. He couldn't give them his birth certificate. Yeah, things were a little loosey goosey in those days, though. You could probably figure some way around it. Do you think at this point they're ever considering going to make him a vampire again, or if the whole thing is just like, eh, that was good for then? I know that just that road that let's just I don't forget. Know. Let's forget he ever yeah. was. Mm-hmm. Let's just make him a hero, or like you know, at least a anti-hero. Yeah, yeah, Venom style. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what their plans are. Honestly, I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to know. I like to, I just like watching it. It is weird just going like drive. Yeah. <laughs> How the hell's he drive? <laughs> so um now, while this is happening, someone knocks at Colin Wood's front door. Hello? Hmm? Ding dong. Did you oh <laughs> Avon? Uh <laughs> Carolyn answers and finds Jeff Clark standing there. Only it's not Jeff Clark. Okay. It's the Jeff Clark Pocket. A Jeff Clark lookalike <laughs> named Ned Stewart. Yeah. He claims to be an old friend of Chris's. Okay. And then Carolyn says, Well, Chris doesn't live here. He lives at the caretaker's cottage over there. And so uh Ned slash Jeff goes over to the cottage where he finds Barnabas and Julia. He tells them that Chris was Oh, gotta turn the page again, everybody. Chris was. What was Chris? You're bet you're on tenterhooks to know what Chris was engaged. To his sister before he disappeared. Wait, sorry, what? Yeah, he was engaged to Ned Stewart's sister. Oh, I thought you said he was engaged to his sister. Oh, Amy, yeah, that's right. (laughs) I've come to claim Amy as my my, my child bride. No, nothing so awful. Okay, all right. No, this is, uh, he was engaged to Ned's sister. Okay, good, good, good. Before he disappeared and his sister, quote unquote, was in no condition to tell, um, tell him what happened. Oh, then Julia says, Mr. Stewart, are you saying your sister was dead? And then he says, that might be the logical conclusion, which is a weird thing to say. Yeah. Stewart admits that he, his arrival was no accident and that he was looking for Chris. He insists on seeing Chris, but Chris is in the mausoleum as a werewolf, so not really seeable right now. So he says he's going to wait, but then he decides he's going to leave anyway. So he does sort of leave, but let's just say, meanwhile, at Collinwood, David has a one-sided conversation with Quentin. Basically, another recap, everybody. He attempts to resist Quentin, but the familiar music puts him back under his control. And he's like, yes, Quentin, what would you like? A surprise Maggie finds David awake late at night. It's three in the morning. Okay. This is happening. He tells her he's writing uh, a story, and then he tells her the story. The story is once there was a man who was was, uh, cursed by an evil woman, the curse changed him into an animal that killed people, even people he loved. One day he found a secret room where he could hide and escape his curse. Hmm. But he couldn't. He couldn't escape it. Someone let him out of the room to end his suffering. And he was shot and killed by a hunter in the woods. And there he found his peace. When Maggie insists he go to bed, he gets angry and he runs outside into the night. And then Maggie goes after him. Um, so, yeah. We, so then... I should cut. I did say that Stuart left, but I'll say it now that he leaves the cottage at this part of the show. And uh, 
leaves a confused and worried Barnabas and Julia. They're like, what? What is this? Who is this guy? In the woods, Ned. I like them both going, what? <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. I'm confused. I'm worried. Yeah. Um, Gorsh. In the woods, Ned Stewart comes upon Maggie. Okay. And of course, we get the mistaken identity thing that everyone else has said. I forgot sure. to mention that Barnabas and sure. Julia are like, you know, like, but, uh, oh, Jeff oh, Clark, what are you doing here? I, I'm, I'm, apparently I look like Jeff Clark. I'm not Jeff Clark. I'm Ned Stewart. Okay. All right. Whatever you say, Ned Stewart. But anyway, he comes upon uh, Maggie and uh, he comes to Maggie's aid and they start looking for David together. At Collinwood, Barnabas and Julia find a shocking piece of paper on the floor of the living room. It's David's story. And they realize his story is about Chris. Barnabas suspects Quentin's ghost has control of David. I don't know how he reached this that's logical a, that's leap. That's a weird... Uh, but that's what he leapt to. Okay. Leap. And so All Barnabas... Right. He, well, how, you have to explain then how does David know about Chris being a werewolf? He doesn't know that. Okay. And how does he... And he doesn't know about the secret room, but it, he doesn't know that they're using the secret room as a place to keep Chris uh, or people safe from Chris when he's changed. So he's got a little information that he shouldn't have. And so so Barnabas makes the obvious conclusion that a ghost is feeding this information to David. Okay, then. Come on. All pretty right. pretty obvious. Okay. You know, when you're Sherlock Holmes like Barnabas. We've already established he had a magnifying glass. <laughs> we did. That's true. Um, Barnabas hurries from Collinwood to get to the mausoleum before David arrives. Maggie and Ned are looking for David in the woods. And Ned hears some rustling and pulls out a gun, which Maggie finds a little disturbing. Like, why do you have a gun? He's like, well, I just, you know, I'm American, he says. <laughs> a freedom. And also they go, that's useless towards anything we have to fight out here, right? <laughs> mm, yeah, pretty, pretty much. Pretty much. Werewolves done work. Uh, ghosts, no. Uh, he has silver, no. Let's have silver bullets. Meanwhile, David arrives at the the Collins family mausoleum. And uh, let's turn the page again. The growls of the werewolf can be heard as David reaches up to pull the secret latch to open the door to the mausoleum. To the secret room in the mausoleum. Um, then it, that's the end of that episode. Okay. But what's interesting is the next episode is sort of a new opening. Because for the first time, every episode opens with a person speaking. They'll be like, tonight, a person will discover a horrible secret that will put their family in danger. This is the voiceover? Yeah. Or? Okay. They'll, something like that, right? All right. And so this time they have images play during the opening narration. So mm. instead of just like, usually it's just like a kind of a static shot of the house. And then they'll have like maybe the camera kind of panning or zooming in a little bit. Instead, this time they actually have like scenes from the show, like you know what's you know yeah. the actors, and then and then they have the narration, um, and then they just start playing the scene once the narration's finished. So just before, so just before David can open the door, Barnabas arrives, and of course David lies and says I wasn't going to open the door, or I or. I was, but because I thought I heard something in there, and Barnabas uh, has to play along because Barnabas can't, you know, give give hit away his hand that there's a werewolf in there, and I put him in there, you know, like he can't. So, so he basically just only returned David back to Collinwood, and Ben uh, Barnabas and Maggie discuss David, and everything she says about his behavior and what's been happening confirms Barnabas's suspicion suspicions that he is under the control of Quentin. Mm-hmm. Maggie goes to David's room. Uh, where she where he she finds him coming out from Quentin's control, he tells Maggie he's scared, but won't slash can't tell her why. Barnabas returns to the mausoleum where he finds a Chris who is miraculously fully dressed. Mm-hmm. He's turned into a werewolf, 
you know, but he's just like his clothes are still immaculate. Well, weird. I, I hope he's grinning because you're never fully dressed without a smile. That's what I've heard. <laughs> Creepy werewolf smile. He is to hear. He is, sorry. He is horrified to hear that Ned Stewart is in town. Chris tells Ben Burnham is the story of Ned's sister. So what happened was he was engaged to Ned's sister, and they were in love with each other, obviously. And of course, he was having this werewolf issues at this time as well. <laughs> and so. I like having these werewolf issues. <laughs> so you know, he, yeah, the, the werewolf. Issues. Yeah, werewolf issues. Very common. Yeah, no, your body's changing. Things <laughs> things happen. Get cursed. He. You're not a bad person, though. Let's remember. That. Well, that's right. I mean, it's kind of like Barnabas. You've been cursed. It's hard. It's not your choice what you what you do. Um. So uh, the werewolf's a little different though, because a vampire, you're always a vampire. Once you're evil, you're evil. You know, once you're cursed to be evil, you're evil. But a werewolf, you come back to yourself. Okay, maybe you do, maybe you don't. I don't know. It's hard. I, I, I don't want to judge werewolves. You know, it's a deeper it's a deeper well than I want to look into. <laughs> so, um, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So then, um, yeah, he tells the story. So, so uh, one day, you know, it's full moon's coming. So he he needs to he needs to like hide. He needs to pretend he's going out of town. So he tells he tells uh, Ned's sister that he is going away for, for a couple of weeks, and you'll see him when he comes back. And and he actually says that. All the problems stem from her largeness of heart, that she was such a great person. Because when he, when she thought he was gone, she decided she was going to throw like a surprise party for his birthday. So she went to his place and found him there. Hmm. And even though he tried to get rid of her, probably in the worst possible way, which is what we've seen so far, he doesn't know how to like ask people to leave in a way that will make them leave. You know, he's like, get out of here. And they're like, why? No, I can't tell you. Just go on. Get out of here. Why are you so angry? I'm not angry. Get out of here. Anyway, so, so uh, get out. Too late. I'm turning into a werewolf. You're dead. Um, so, so yeah. So the same thing happens to her. She doesn't understand. He turns into a werewolf. Sorry. And, <laughs> my wife said sneeze. There you go. Sneezy. Ah, sneezy. Everyone. Predicted it. Beginning of the show. <laughs> Good job. Called it. <laughs> so I have my glasses off. I guess I, my prediction was wrong. Anywho. One of his two pairs of glasses. So <laughs> I have my glasses for, for uh, yes, my glasses for reading and my glasses for looking at people. And my glasses for uh, grouch showing. <laughs> These glasses, I can see through your clothes. I'm a little boy. Oh, it's, they don't work. It was just a joke. <laughs> so... <laughs> So when he wakes up from his uh, his time as a werewolf, uh, Ned's sister is gone. Okay. And he just leaves town. He assumes he killed her. And so he just takes off, takes off, heads for the hills. Um, now, so Chris says, well, I've got to leave town because this guy's come here. He's going to kill me because I killed his sister. That's what he wants to do. Okay. And then he says, and Burnham is like, well, how do you know this? He goes, well, it's obvious. He's the one who obviously tried to poison my drink. Now we all know it was Quentin, but he's uh, goes jumps okay. to the more logical conclusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not like he's no Barnabas. Let's say that Barnabas is the person who goes for the ghost deduction. Chris goes to the living human who hates me deduction. Let's all remember Barnabas has killed hundreds of people as well. So, <laughs> so glass well, no, house there. I don't Barnabas. think hundreds. Hundreds? Do you think hundreds? Why do you think hundreds? Okay, how old do you think Barnabas is? I know, but he spent all that time in a box, like from 1895 up to when he was okay, awakened by Willie. How much time was he a vampire before he got boxed? Well, we saw it. We saw him. I mean, he did kill people. He killed a bunch of uh, streetwalkers, if you remember. Yeah. Not, I'm not saying they weren't people. I'm saying he did kill people. I'm just saying I don't think it was hundreds. Okay. And then when he got woke up. Uh, yeah. 
How he, many how many people do you think is a vampire you have to kill a week? One? Oh, I, I don't know. A month? One month? I'm no expert. Well, then, you know, we can't really have this discussion. Then, can <laughs> Why we? are you an expert? Well, I'm just thinking like, you know, you're a vampire. You probably kill a bunch of people. Like, you're going to... You said know. hundreds, though. That does seem like I a... I think like, hundreds is... I would say, I would say a, a dozens would be more like a... Okay, so say you kill a person every, I don't know, three nights, you know, in a year. Sure. That's a couple of hundreds. No, it's not a couple of hundred, but yeah. Yeah, well, three every three nights? Yeah. Yeah, three nights, that's a... That's a hundred. Th- yeah, about a hundred and something. Uh, that's about a hundred, that's right. <laughs> It's, it's it's fun. I just I don't I don't think he was a vampire for a whole year. I don't I don't I don't remember how long he was a vampire for. Okay, it's been a while. It's hard to tell how often you have to feed as a vampire. Well, that and it's hard, the timeline of the show is confusing too because it's not not every show is a day. So right. So it's uh, you don't know like how many nights was he a vampire or like how long would Abe Vigoda feed you for? Like a week? I don't know. But you 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 just like feed on him on Friday if you were Catholic because you know fish. Because also, if you remember, he was he was killing he was killing cattle and drinking the blood of the cattle. Yeah, I don't like that. In the beginning of the in the early parts. Don't of care the... for that. Don't care for that. <laughs> that's cheap. <laughs> By the way, you missed my fist joke, but that's fine. Well, what did you say, sorry, about Ava? Uh, about if you, you, you have a pagoda only on Fridays because you know you oh. get fish. <laughs> sorry, that's okay. That's good. I have, yeah, that's yeah, all right. I was still thinking about uh, vampires and how how many people they kill. All right, so. Um, <laughs> I mean, you got Dracula, but he's got to feed the family. He's got like a bunch of wives at home. He's got to feed those guys. That's just that. Too much work. Sorry, I went backwards with Pick my. Pick up some bugs for here. Renfeld. Okay, so where where was I here? What was I talking about, everybody? Okay, after David falls asleep, Maggie leaves his room. So David was really scared of of Quentin, and so he basically said to Maggie, "Stay with me and 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 keep me keep me safe." And so Maggie said, "I'll stay with you until you fall asleep." So he falls asleep. Maggie leaves the room. And then David wakes up suddenly, and he finds uh, Quentin is staring down at him. But not just Quentin; like the way they they light Quentin with like a red light on his face from uh-huh. down below, so he gets this shadowy, red, glary face staring at you. He guiltily apologizes for failing to open the door. <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah. Downstairs, Liz, Maggie, and Barnabas discover that someone or something has ransacked the living room. I don't know why. David tries to rebel against Quentin. He and Quentin strikes David, and David reacts as if his arm was on fire. Oh. Maggie, in the hallway outside, hears David's screams and a man's laughter. She enters and finds David lying on the floor unconscious. As he awakens, he cries out Quentin's name. Maggie begins to put things together now. She tells David that she will stop Quentin from hurting him. But a frightened David runs away again and leaves the house. As Maggie pursues David, she is briefly stopped by the arrival of Ned Stewart. Mm. Um, I have to change the page again. Sure. So Ned's there and he's like, oh, hi, Maggie. And she's like, hi, can't stay. (laughs) She welcomes him to Collingwood, then hightails hightails it out the door. Ned is left by himself in the foyer, but follows the sound of Amy singing singing to find her in the living room doing a puzzle. He assumes that she's David's sister, but when she tells them she's Chris's sister, he begins to act differently. In fact, he acts so differently, he kind of gets scary. Ooh. He gets kind of creepy and touchy and pulley, like like that he wants to maybe hurt her. Ooh. Chris arrives just in time as Ned tells Amy about his sister, Sabrina. Ned and Chris have it out. Ned denies, Ned denies Chris's accusations that he poisoned his drink, and he's miffed that someone else is... Uh, someone else wants to kill Chris. 
Chris is uh, I shocked. Like that he's miffed. Then he tells Chris that um, he wants Chris to come see his sister. And Chris is surprised to learn that she's still alive. He says, yeah, not only is she still alive, I brought her in town. She's here. She's at the Collinwood Inn, and I want you to come meet her. And Chris refuses to see her. Uh, David is hiding in the woods where he's found by Amy. And David resolves to tell Maggie about Quentin. Suddenly, Quentin is with them, staring at them. Once again, all red lit. Amy wants David to apologize to Quentin. See, they're just so up and down, these kids. David tells her it's too late. Quentin is going to teach them a lesson they'll never forget. Later, the children are alone in the house with Maggie. <laughs> the children try to get her to play dress up with them. When she demurs, that's a pretty good word, everyone, hey? They go upstairs to play by themselves, promising her a big surprise. Oh, boy. Maggie oh boy. goes in search of the children later on, but she can't find them. As she wanders upstairs through an empty house, she hears a man's laugh. She goes downstairs. And, of course, this is like a big thunderstorm going on. So nicely, the house is all dark. So it's very nice and, um, you know, atmospheric. And so, yeah, so it's thunderstorm outside and everything feels all desolate and eerie. The front door blows open and the man laughs again. (laughs) The door on the upstairs landing opens and a light turns on. But Maggie doesn't see that. She walks down the hallway to the study. She calls out for the children saying to them, I thought we said we weren't going to play hide-and-seek. We played this last week. They don't answer. Then a door slams, and she hears a man laugh again. Maggie uh, goes into the study and locks the door after her, because she's getting kind of freaked out. Then she hears footsteps echoing outside, and then the eerie giggles of the children. And they call out to Maggie and say, Maggie, come outside. Come outside, Maggie. We have someone who wants to meet you. And that's where the episode ends. Ugh. There we go, everyone. Kids are creepy. That's dork shadows. There's, Things are happening. There's no denying it. Things are happening. Here's what we think about Abe Vigoda's IMDb. Sure. Uh, no Barney Miller on it. Don't put Barney Miller on it. Strange. That's weird. It is very strange. Uh, but here, I'm just going to ask you one more thing. He's on like for three seasons or something, right? Oh, yeah. He was the star of the show. Um, uh, I'm going to ask you one trivia question here. and Let's see if I... Oh. Oh, there we go. You got some Barney Miller there. I see. They they put it up with the end date instead of the oh, okay. uh, start date. Okay. But uh, how many seasons did he do? On... on Barney Miller, they say from seventy four to eighty one, but that's not true. No, because they because his own show was yeah. seventy seven to seventy eight. I think he did a couple of appearances yeah. later on, and yeah. they're counting that, which is a whole bunch of bullshit. Um, <laughs> but uh, who did he play on the Rockford Files, Dave? Who did he play on the Rock Files? Appeared in two he episodes. Was a, he was a gangster. Yeah, he was. Uh, I'll tell you. He his was name in... was Phil Gabriel. He was Phil the what? Uh, Gabriel. <gasps> oh, so I don't know. What was he? Phil the Phil the dancer. Phil the dancer. The dancer. Weird. Was he two episodes? I'm just wondering if it was the episode. There was an episode where where um, Jim goes to New Jersey. Do you remember the two characters of the two young kids who are kind of like? Two wannabe gangster kids, but they're kind of dumb. Well, we got uh, two episodes. Rosen, uh, Rosendahl and Gilda Stern are dead. Okay. It's one of those episodes, which sounds like it might have been that and the Kirkhoff case. But oh. yes, I do remember the kids who want to be gangsters. Well, I think the Kirkhoff case is one of the very earliest episodes. 74. But... And then, yeah, oh, Rosen, okay. Rosendahl and Gilda Stern are dead or is, is 78. Mm. Kirkhoff case, I think it started James Woods mm. as a... If I'm thinking of the right one, it's hard to remember now. I haven't watched the show for a while. I need to uh, give it a re rewatch. Yeah, indeed. Every so often, yeah, you need to watch Rockford Files. That <laughs> is the rule. Yes. Make, have a happy life. Also on Bionic Woman and so many other films. Oh, so many, so many films. Yeah. I mean, he was a working actor. Yeah. 
He's very good in uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm as like an old gangster. Oh. Yeah. He's oh. got that good. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird how, like, he's like playing a 90 year old man and he's 46 at that time. Apparently, he, uh, I was reading about him on my little uh, blog I like to go to, Dark Shadows Every Day. And, and this guy, the guy who writes it, told a story about a time that he went to a Dark Shadows convention. And Ava Goda was up on stage with, you know, he'd been in two shows. And there's all these other actors. I think he's actually in three shows. I think he appeared later on and had a small part in another show. Another another time on Dark Shadows. We we will get to it, I suppose. Um, but anyway, he's there and, uh, you know, they're passing the mic and they're saying, you know, I'm Catherine Lee Scott. I played Maggie uh, on the show. I love to do the show. It was one of my highlights of my life, blah, blah, blah. And then they get to Ava Vagoda and he takes the mic and goes, I'm Ava Vagoda. I did three episodes. I don't remember anything about it. He passes the mic. <laughs> Good. Uh, in 1992, he appeared in the the Lucky Luke TV series. Oh, first of all, did you know there was a Lucky Luke? I did TV not know show? there was a Lucky Luke. Lu- Played Lucky uh, Judge, Judge Reinhardt in that. Was it animated? No, live action. Weird. Uh, and uh, yeah, Terrence Hill was Lucky Luke, and um, uh, Ron Carey from Barney Miller was in it hmm. as well. Uh, it looks like looks like it might be based on the the books. It's weird. What the hell? What's it? What is this? <laughs> That's confusing. Oh well. If I had access to uh, something I could look that up on, I would. But I don't, so there's nothing I can do. Weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, there must have been like an American adaptation of Asterix and Obelix at some point that was just terrible and we've never seen. I've never heard of it. I know, but there must have been. I cannot believe there there hasn't been. There must have been. I don't know if it's popular. I mean, it's weird that there was a Lucky Luke. I don't. I just don't. Feel like those books are popular enough to uh, to have people want to put money behind, like you know, Asterix and Obelix. It's great as a comic, but I feel like as like a a living visual thing, it's pretty it's pretty awful. Like the way they dress, who wants to see pe- real people dressed like that? Yeah, except the quite successful movie series in France. In France, yeah. Well, in France, France, second highest rated streaming show in France. Why the Last Man? Let me just say that much. <laughs> France, good taste. <laughs> Um, go into our mailbag. Go to the mailbag, sir. Go into the mailbag. Gonna read some letters. Gonna read the letters at the mailbag. Last week we asked, mm-hmm. what's a movie that you enjoy, uh, but is a, a fun mess? It's just a mess. <laughs> and also, uh, who's your favorite fictional character? That is a wide net to throw. Uh, so here's what we got, uh, coming back at us. Uh, Lisa, uh, who I think is the, uh, co-host of the upcoming uh, podcast Horse Mysteries. Yes. You know what? It's yeah. it's it's growing on me. Is that right? Yeah. Had a discussion with uh, my sister-in-law Vicky Van yesterday and we we're both like, you know, you're just going through the listings. You see it. You know what it is. <laughs> Would you click on it? I'd click on it. I'd click on it too. It's yeah. Horse Mysteries. Yeah. Wouldn't I know you? it's so simple. I was kind of thinking um that one name that popped into my was Unbridled. Yeah, it's unbridled. But then I still want to have it to say true crime horse mysteries or whatever. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. It's it's a tough one because yeah, when you first hear horse mysteries, you're like, hmm. <laughs> and then and then, but then over time, it's like, yeah, but that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Even though there is a good uh, a good name idea in our letters today, yeah, I will yeah. I will foreshadow. We'll, we're not poo pooing anyone's suggestions. Let's put so uh, Lisa from, of course, the upcoming horse mysteries. <laughs> Uh, says, I have no response to question number one. 
and too many for question number two. I cannot pick a favorite. I will tell you about many that I love. One, Paddington. He's so full of goodness, sincerity, and innocence. Uh, Penelope from Thelwell. She is just so doggedly determined she never gives up. Even if her pony is dragging her through the mud, dumping her in a hedge, dropping her in a water jump, she never gets a payoff, but she uh, seems to know that if she doesn't give up, what she knows is her due will come to her eventually. Trixie from Trixie Belden. Uh, she's very uh, wholesome, has a very wholesome kind of bravery and fearlessness that is admirable. Scout and Atticus. She's all id in her impuls- impulsivity and physicality, while he's all super ego in his calm deliberation of every situation. Uh, but you can see from him a reflection of the person that she will become, and I love that. Nick Carraway from The Great Gatsby. He's adrift. He's easily influenced by the others, and yet he has a core of goodness that resides inside him that makes him realize all the trappings of the rich and their shoddy behavior uh, over others are poor reflections of what is truly important in life. Will Dunn from Sebastian Barry's A Long, Long Way. This character was so alive for me. He was treated unfairly and unjustly, and he never let it get him down. He always wanted to do the right thing, and he always tried so hard. Solve. <laughs> That's the kind of emotionality you're going to get in horse mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> Blam! Who killed him? <laughs> Was it you? <laughs> All right. That's every episode will be like that, folks. Yeah. There's no fingerprints, but there are all these horseshoes. <laughs> um, Mick, our friend Mick, uh, writes, Hi, gents. Hello, Mick. Hello, Mick. Love this week's episode, although that's true every week. Oh, you. <laughs> Ian's discussion of, discussion of how are you getting anything done resonated strongly. Hmm. It was wonderful hearing so many viewpoints on how to simply get by, stay motivated, and heaven forbid, actually be creative at a time when everything feels so fragile. Like Ian, I often frame my days by all the things I didn't get done, so I agree that we need to focus instead on the things we did achieve, no matter how small. Yesterday I managed, after many months of procrastination, to install a floating bookshelf in my study. Sounds like no big deal. It does to me. Uh, (laughs) But I have zero handyman skills, so it was a big achievement. And I'm happy to say, uh, the day later, it's still attached to the wall. (laughs) Good for you. Uh, R.E. regarding questions. I found that the older I get, I love a B-grade rom-com or comedy more than any high art cinema. And I used to be a major movie snob in my 20s, preferring art house and indie movies over mainstream movies. Now I don't care if a movie is well made as long as it is diverting and has a few decent laughs. Favorite <laughs> fictional character? Oh, so many. Tintin or Tantan. Uh, Charlie <laughs> Brown or Charlie Brown. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Keating from Dead Poet Society and James Bond, of course. Wow. Ba ba boom, ba ba boom, tied it together, <laughs> boom. <laughs> All right. Wait, here comes Kanan. <gasps> Kanan. Kanan uh, Grawl yeah. saying, by the way, a little nice drawing Kanan did is on last week's uh, uh, Sneaky Dragon uh, page. You'll see it. Yeah, it's very so good. good. Yeah. The guy can draw, man, right? Mm-hmm. That guy's a drawer. Like, he draws <laughs> things and you go like, yeah. you draw good. I enjoy your drawings. I like reading them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like reading your work. And I like wa- looking at your drawings. Yeah. I enjoy his work. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I can't be more clear, Dave. I enjoy his work. I I do too. And if there was two of him, he'd be a set of drawers. I'm going to cut that short and go to <laughs> uh, keep it brief. <clears throat> uh, that was from the Bureau of Bad Jokes. Anyway, go on. <clears throat> uh, what were you eating under there? 
Underwear. Ha ha. We all enjoyed ourselves as children. Uh, Canaan writes, I forgot to throw down my perfect name for a horse mystery podcast. Yep. The Clue Factory. <laughs> terrible. So yeah, good. Great. So terrible. So sad. <laughs> but good. But good. Well, Edward Dragansi says, Hand down the, hands down the best title. Calls it genius. Better than horse mysteries? Come on, Ed. I know it seems stupid, but it's... It's so apt. It's hard not to, to want to use if it. If you saw two podcasts yeah. side by side, yeah, only have time for one, mm-hmm. going to work out, going to work those ropes that we know that we work <laughs> yeah. across, yeah. CrossFit. I was in that CrossFit Wag it, wag it, wag it, wag it, wag it, wag it, You're going to do that for an hour. And you see Horse Mysteries and you see uh, The Clue Factory. Yeah. Which one do you click on? You only have time for one. Well, I think if you're interested in horses, you're going to go to the Horse Mystery one. Do you think so? Wag it, wag it, wag it, wag it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Louise. Hello, Louise. Right. Um, the Red Shoes from 1948 is a fun mess. It's an iconic backstage movie that helped to establish the trope that ballerinas must be cray-cray, especially <laughs> when torn between their personal life and their art. The wearer of the titular <laughs> footwear is Moira Shearer. Uh, she was a dancer who could act, not an actor who could act like a dancer. See Natalie Portman in Black Swan and Jennifer Lawrence in Red Sparrow. There is a surreal ballet sequence in the film that goes into the mind of the dancer. And as a girl, I didn't like that they used camera tricks and special effects. Now I appreciate how they were breaking new ground in combining dance and the medium of film. For a fictional character, it's a classic mashup between Jane Eyre and Elizabeth Bennet. Both are intelligent, witty, and strong-willed women going up against a social system that wants to keep them in their place. But I would say Jane wins out. She endures a lot of hardship, but doesn't compromise her morals. And coincidentally, in both their stories, Jane and Elizabeth say no to respectable but loveless marriages of convenience to clergymen. Those (laughs) clergymen. Uh, I wonder if uh, that seemed like a dire fate to independent-thinking women of the 1800s. My aunt was a minister's wife from the 1950s to the 1990s, and back then, clergymen's wives were expected to take an active part in the life of the church. They often lived in uh, manses uh, they didn't own. Is that right? Manses? Manses, yeah, manses. Okay, so they were accountable to committees and were under constant scrutiny of busybodies. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Busy bodies. But yeah, Jane, Jane Austen's father was a clergyman, so I can't think that she uh, thought her parents' marriage was loveless or, or you know, so I, I just think that uh, a prig is always a good character to uh, not want to be married to. You can have a good clergyman, but because I think that in uh, Mansfield Park, the the sort of main interest of, of um, the heroine of that, whose name has popped out of my head, anyway, that he becomes a a uh, clergyman at the end so and same when same in uh sense and sensibility that the character that uh, eleanor uh falls in love with that whatever his name is i think i remember character's name is better anyway he uh, played by hugh grant in the movie everyone he he becomes a clergyman at the end so, so i don't know if that was a fate worth worse than death in her opinion but also i forgot the jane austen book but it went like uh the only one who could ever reach me was the son of a preacher man the only boy <laughs> who could ever teach me was the son of a preacher man yes yeah, he was he that's was. right so yeah. Yes, he was. That famous Jane Austen Being book. good ain't easy, no matter how hard I try. When he starts sweet-talking me, he'd come and say, everything's all right. Mm-hmm. Kiss and tell me everything is all right. Sure. Can we get away tonight? <laughs> yeah. Other one who could ever reach me. Yeah. I just, I'm kind of curious about, uh, yeah, I'm kind of curious about, <laughs> about uh, Louise calling Red Shoes a mess, because I don't feel like that film, it's a very heightened, emotional movie. Like, it's very much a OTT film. Like, it's, it, but it, 
maybe that makes it feel kind of messy, but I don't know. It's hard to imagine a movie like that that's so meticulous and, and how it's planned and presented is a mess. But I can see, if seeing it as a kid, I can see that it would feel very, it would feel very chaotic in its in the emotional part of it. I could see that. I guess. Yeah. Uh, Edward Grant's. Sorry. You know what? I've said it right for I don't know a hundred episodes. Screwed it up there. <laughs> There we go. That's when we'll. That's the one we'll remember. Edward Dragansky oh. writes. Yes, I have to. Oh man, I love that it starts with me talking about me. <laughs> I like all these letters talking about me. That's good. Uh, next time, someone mentioned Dave. Just, just you know, yeah, lift, lift his spirits. Threw me, a, threw me a bone, hey. I have to hand it to Ian. He sure knows his Fantastic Four. Some <laughs> of it at a certain point. When it gets to, uh, oh, who's Malice? I don't know, Malice storylines. Um, I followed the FF for years, and I remember buying the Galactus Trilogy from Mile High Comics in Denver through the mail order ad printed in the comics. I'm going to show Dave, actually, later my favorite Galactus story. It's in the next room. I found the, uh, the it's a giant treasury edition. Uh, it's all, oh, it's good. It's good stuff. Oh, looking forward to that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, through the through the mail order ad printed in the comics. Number 48 and 50 were $8 a piece. And forty nine was twelve dollars. <laughs> My mother thought I was insane paying that much for funny books, and I still have, still have all three signed by both Lee and Kirby. Wow, damn, that's cool. That's a hard story to beat, considering when it was written. For me, it's a, one of the classics of Marvel history. If Dave ever wants a different take on the story, try reading it from the perspective. Of, oh man, I had this just in the other room. <laughs> the perspective of photographer Phil Sheldon in Marvels, yeah, uh, written by Kurt Busiek and illustrated by Alex Ross. Have you ever read Marvels? I have read Marvels. Yes, very good. Uh, Marvels takes a look at all the uh, Marvel stories from our viewpoint as everyday bystanders in the Marvel universe. The invasion of Galactus is far more horrific when told this way and through the lens of its main character, Phil Sheldon. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you something, Edward. Have you listened to the Marvels podcast? Uh, that uh, Paul Bay directed, who is a fella I know here in Vancouver, who's uh, probably best known for doing like the Big Loop and uh, the Black Tapes, I think, uh, which are uh, horror-based uh, podcasts. But he did one for Marvel uh, that was uh, Marvels, and uh, it's the Coming of Galactus, and it was very, very well done. Hmm. So if you can, if you can find that on your uh, Spotify's or whatnots, uh, I say give that uh, give that a listen. I think you might enjoy it. Uh, I had a, a good Spider-Man in it. I'll say that too. Good, really good uh, Ben Grimm. Um, I had an interesting thought when you were discussing the artists who used the GI Bill to fund their training. Remember that Steve Rogers was an artist in Marvel Comics as well. I can remember it uh, coming in somewhere in the story that he was working as a commercial illustrator. I thought this was also a nice nod uh, to this in Captain America First Avenger uh, when we saw him drawing while he was in Europe at the USO. Yeah, I agree. He... Um, in the comics, drew Captain America comics for a while. That was a little inside joke there. One wonders if he uh, used his GI Bill money all those years after World War II and frozen in ice for art classes. I don't think he could tell people that he was frozen in ice as Steve Rogers. That would reveal his secret identity. Hmm. You know what? I don't know how he worked that all. Probably talked to S.H.I.E.L.D., got a fake ID. and But yeah, he couldn't say he was in the GI Bill. Um, you know, I'm, be, I'm taking this real serious. I think, once again, I think it was loosey-goosier in those days and you could get identification more easily than you can. And it never seemed super clear whether or not he was trying to keep his identity secret or not, as uh, Steve Rogers. Mm. It seemed like he was, but like, so you, Steve Rogers has uh, disappeared 
in World War II, and now he's here in the 60s and it hasn't aged? How are you pulling that off? Anyway, I know you don't like 1941 or The Great Race, and they're probably high on your list of messy films, but I really love both these movies, I guess because I grew up watching them over and over. For me, they were almost like live-action cartoons come to life, and I enjoy the huge cast of characters. If I had to choose a film that fits this criteria, I'd have to go with Flash Gordon from 1980. Good call. It's cheesy, campy, and gaudy, but my god, it's fun to watch Max von Sydow as Ming the Merciless. The Queen's soundtrack is fun, uh, but it just looks so damn bad. It also just looks so damn bad that it's good. Um, who's who's the guy who's... Who's that guy? You know who I'm Brian talking about. Brian Blessed? Brian Blessed! That guy with the wings just sort of flap and in no way would carry him. That was good stuff. Uh, yeah, the, actually, the Queen's soundtrack for that movie is a bit of a mess as well. A fun mess as well. There we go. Another uh, movie would be Flash. Earth. Ooh, savior of the universe. They used it once on the right, Flash guys. TV show. People got uh, annoyed. Um, <laughs> that's not him. It's not for that. It's like, nah, it can be. <laughs> Another movie would be Irwin Allen's The Story of Mankind from 1957. Have you seen that one? I have not. Yes, I have. Okay. What are your thoughts of it before I get to uh, Edward's thoughts? Yeah, it's, it's a. I wouldn't say it's a fun mess. It's more of a long movie. There you go. But let's see what Edward has to say. It's like a weirdly dark history lesson with a huge Hollywood cast playing historical roles. The story is set in motion due to a technological development of the to the technological development of the H bomb, which has caused uh, the court of heaven to put mankind on trial. I have never seen this, and now I want to see this <laughs> for the first time in color. We see Groucho Marx as uh, Peter uh, Minuit, who swindles Manhattan Island from the Indians, and Harpo Marx as Sir Isaac Newton. We did talk about this on uh, Completely Beatles. We- <laughs> totally. Um, sorry, full marks. Full marks. Oh, my God. Why are we talking about the Beatles? I'm very tired, Dave. <laughs> yep. I knew something was wrong the second I said it. When I was just playing it in my head, it was just going like, there was that. Uh, no. Anyway, that was, a, I think, a mistake was on our Beatles podcast talking about the Marx Brothers so much. <laughs> yes. That was. And he went, why don't we just do a Marx Brothers podcast? I went, that's a good idea. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, Chico Marx uh, plays a monk advising Christopher Columbus about why sailing across the world would be a bad idea. It's the Marx Brothers in color, but they're presented separately instead of together. I'll only, uh, watch, uh, I'll only watch it to see them. I have uh, far too many fictional characters to name. Uh, was it for literary characters? If so, I'll have to go back to my childhood and mention the enjoyable Oz books I read and reread over and over. I really like TikTok. Me too. Jack Pumpkinhead and the Scarecrow as they developed over the span of L. Frank Baum's 14-book run. This sounds kind of infantile, but those books got me to read as a kid. No, oh, that's nothing fine. wrong with that. Hey, man, Thor uh, got me to like Shakespeare. <laughs> and uh, oh, you said uh, I said TikTok. You wrote Talk Talk. Sorry to man, you meant to say TikTok. And of course, uh, he later went on to make those uh, videos, those short videos, those TikTok videos. That's uh, what the character TikTok did. Good for him. Yeah, and his enemy was YouTube, <laughs> this living tube that would just come along. Sounds like it was French, too. YouTube. The whole little tube, uh, that's what they called it, YouTube. YouTube. Oh, I don't know what I have to say. Um, thank you so much for your letters. We really appreciate those. Do we have any uh, sent via the e mail? We do have any The electronic mail. mail. The electronic all right, mail. Put down all liquids if you're handling electronic mail, Dave. Uh, put down... Any, uh, liquids are stupid. All right, <laughs> there you go. So... Uh, This is from Laurel Robertson. Yay! Thank you for writing via email, Laurel. Laurel says, uh, I'll tell you what her, she actually gave it a, um, last time it was no subject, this time it says, answers to questions of the last week. Woohoo! 
Once again, I have to pull off my glasses. Dear Ian and dear David and dear sneakers, I hope all is well with each of you. For question number one, right away when you said this question, the Beatles' help came to my mind. Mm. Then Ian, you said Yellow Submarine, and I thought, yeah, that is true. But I've never really enjoyed that one so much, whereas help, I could and would and have watched at any opportunity. Since I was nine years old, I first saw it in a Brazilian theater, had to stand at the back because the line to buy tickets was so long, all the seats were filled by the time we got in. The movie had already started, but who cares? It was a huge thrill. Do you agree? It's kind of a fun mess. Yeah, I think it is a mess more than it is like a great movie, but it is fun. Um, so my favorite Beatles film. Eve loves it. That's her favorite Beatles film. As okay. Well. She loves help. I think it's, I think it presents the Beatles in the most positive way. Like their characters are much more kind of naive and sympathetic than they are in say Hard Day's Night where they feel a little cynical and a yeah. little, they're, you know, it's more about like the life of them as a band. Yeah. And kind of creating their characters and stuff like that. Whereas help is just like silliness. They're having fun. Yeah, it's a fun. That's how you want to live. Like what an ideal life to live. You mm-hmm. find yourself. That's right. Living with them and so much. Fun. Yeah, that's right. They they live all live together. That's so great. Answer to question two. A hugely favorite fictional character for me is Chief Inspector Gamache of Canadian author Louise Penny's Three Pines Mysteries. He is a most wonderful interesting, intelligent, and kind-hearted person. I think you would all love him. There's a marvelous cast of regular characters in the books as well. I adore them all. Thank you, David and Ian, for your hilarious and also touching words concerning the letter I wrote last week. I laughed so hard and wept too. (laughs) It was fantastic. Uh, That was from Laurel. So thank you so much, Laurel. We appreciate you writing. And I appreciate it more than Ian because I got to read it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, just looked up the Lucky Luke thing. Yep, it's uh, based on the Belgian comic book. Wow. Yep. Uh, first episode, March 20th, 1992. Final episode, May 22nd, 1992. <laughs> it lasted as long as people, uh, I guess it lasted as long as the interest that Lucky Luke holds here uh, is in str- North America. Yeah, it is streaming online. You can watch it there. We had th- basically three French bande dessinées that were uh, translated. Oh, no, I guess four. No, I would say three. When I was growing up, there was basically three. There was Tintin, obviously, Asterix and, o- and Obelix, and then a distant third to that was Lucky Luke. Okay. Uh, the, the, the Smurfs didn't really exist as comics. I don't remember them like reading or seeing them. I mean, they became more popular with the cartoons and stuff like that, but they were never like part. You never saw the band dessinée and stuff like that when you were growing up. They would those didn't translate here for whatever reason. Uh, Yeah, so those were kind of the three. And Lucky Luke was the 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 most distant. I don't. I never read it growing up. I never read Lucky Luke as a kid. It wasn't in the library. You know, Tintin I could get the library, and and Asterix and Obelix I I could get at the library. But there was no Lucky Luke, and so that one uh, I am ignorant of. I mean, I've read it now, but it's not something that resonates with me the way that those other two do. So it's curious to me that it was a... (laughs) I guess they just thought, well, it's a Western, and people love Westerns. Do they love Westerns? People love Westerns, and this will be a big hit. Now I'm now wondering when Briscoe County was... Yeah, approximately the same time, because that would have been... It came on the exact same time as X-Files. They both started at the same time, on the same night, one before the other. One year later. When you're later. 1993. Uh, but that didn't fly any better. Maybe, I think Briscoe County suffered a little bit from tonal problems in that it was kind of a sci-fi Western adventure yeah, show. Yeah, it had a time travel element to yeah, it. Yeah, it had a lot of stuff going on. And I think 
I think it would, would have been better to establish the world and then move on into the, the crazier elements, like sort of kind of ease it in. But they just went, they went for it, which, you know, good on you guys. Just open it up and just put yourself out there. <laughs> be yourselves. Be mm-hmm. crazy. Uh, so we're looking for questions uh, for, for this week, by the way. Uh, really quickly, three more James Bond titles. A Spy with a Moon, Spectre <laughs> Fire, Double Eye. Okay. Like Double Eye. Double Eye is pretty good. He wears da, glasses. Da, beep, beep, boop. <laughs> um, so had a had a workman in today uh, working, and he was uh, cleaning um, the dryer uh, tube, I suppose, and the vents. And at the end of it, uh, he, he had cleaned, you know, a couple of things and uh, got the feeling that he didn't know what he was doing. And then, as I think I mentioned earlier, uh, it's been loud since when we turn on the furnace now. Mm. Have you had someone do work in your home that you suspect didn't know what they were doing? Have you ever had someone come over and you just went, hmm? I don't think they know what they're doing. And either, you know, you have proof of that later or you had those suspicions. Hmm. If you had bad workmanship in your uh, home apartment uh, dwelling. Oh, yeah, that's good. I'm afraid I have no, I have no uh, suggestions. Oh, here's a suggestion. How about don't use the automatic name generator, but give us your James Bond movie yep. title. Yeah, but don't use the automatic generator. We can tell if you do. We can. Because it's pretty, that's a pretty, pretty uh, limited algorithm. I like that every so often it comes up with like a license to kill. I guess that's sort of time to gamble tomorrow. <laughs> the girl who killed. Oh, I like these so much. Yeah. So uh, give us your James Bond title. Yeah. What's your James it? Bond title? We'll accept a James Bond Junior title. Remember that? <laughs> hey, uh, Jimmy Bond. Yeah. What What made the TV version of? Uh, of James Bond uh, that came out in the in the fifties, uh, different than any other James Bond. Are you asking me that question? I am asking you. Yes, it was black and white. It was black and white. That's true. It was a TV show. It was a uh, yeah. It was Casino Royale. They yeah. did Casino Royale. But why was it uh, different than uh, any other James Bond? Um, I don't know why was it different. He was American. Oh really? Yeah, he's American. His name was Jimmy Bond in it. That's stupid. Yeah, it wasn't the only Jimmy Bond. No, to be in a James Bond movie. But what's the only American James Bond to be in it? So there we go. There's a little I trivia say, for you. Oh, no, because Woody Allen was Jimmy Bond in Casino Royale. That's so correct, yeah. Not James Bond. David Niven played James Bond in that. Yes, movie. and so did many other people, including a seal. <laughs> they had so much fun making that film. It sure looked like they had a great that's, time. There's a movie that's an example of a not fun mess. It's, it's, uh, it's, boo, boo, boo. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to uh, answer our questions or just uh, say whatever you want to say man uh give your opinion on where you think uh dark shadows is going if you haven't seen it like hey hey you know what make him a vampire again oh come on what's <laughs> this guy what he's driving i know he's just become like an avuncular grandpa on the show yeah sure like all i can think is just like you know the dracula driving a car just like easy now hold it now <laughs> though i know dracula had he's got he's got the, the the dragster i understand there are dracula cars out there i understand <laughs> yeah in fact dragula i, think I was gonna say that it was dracula is that yeah. dracula is there but yeah. there is the dragster as well which i believe is from uh a cartoon called the drag pack where they have the dragster mm. and it's dracula's car but why does dracula have a car he needs, well, he needs to travel and he needs a coffin to travel in. I'm not going to help you move. <laughs> you got all the room in the trunk. I don't have a lot of room in the trunk. That's where I sleep. <laughs> oh, hold it. Let me look. I can't look in the, all right, the mirror. I can't look at myself, but I can look behind. It's actually useful. I can just look straight through my head. 
It's pretty good. <laughs> it's good stuff. Um, so here's how you contact us. You go to sneakydragon.com, and that's where we got all of our episodes. Uh, and then you just find the episode, and you post there. You just post. There's a message board area right there. Boom. While you're there, hey, look at any of our past episodes. You know where we talk about the Marx Brothers on Completely Beatles? That kind of thing. Or we talk about uh, random movies uh, uh, on Totally Tintin. It's all, no. <laughs> I think you'll find that the titles line up quite strongly with the things they are of. Not quite as strongly as Horse Mysteries will. That's going to be pretty on the nose. <laughs> Nay. Uh, there you go. Uh, if you want to email us, uh, as you've heard uh, some emails, that's sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. Sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. We are on Twitter, sneaky underscore dragon, Tumblr, sneakydragon.tumblr.com. Uh, we do a book series, uh, the kids' book series called Sparks. Dave colors it. I write it. Our friend Nina Matsumoto draws it. It's uh, There's Sparks. There's Sparks Double Dog Dare. And Sparks uh, Future Perfect is coming out next year. Uh, that's available in bookstores. I did a series of books, uh, two series. Uh, Exorcisters, you can get that in bookstores. And my wife, uh, Pia Guerra, who has uh, been a guest on the show many times, has a TV series that, as I mentioned, uh, is number two in France. 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 Um, which is called Why the Last Man. You can see that in uh, Europe, uh, in Disney+. Plus. Uh, you can see it uh, on FX, on Hulu. Uh, in America, and you can see it on FX, the just channel, and also FX uh, Now, uh, the streaming service in Canada. So, however you see it, uh, see it. I say uh, you do so because it's a, an enjoyable show. It's a, a little dark topic, but they do interesting things with it, and uh, I think you will like it. And if you do, let me know. And if you don't, keep it to yourself because <laughs> that's my wife's show. You know, you know what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Um, so, Dave, uh, would you like to go get some White Spot with me? Yeah, that sounds good. All right, we're going to do that. Listen, if uh, you have a time machine, come back in time. Join us on uh, at a meal. And if you don't, uh, join us next time for uh, Sneaky Dragon. We'll be here. I'm Ian. I'm David. And Peace out, sneakers. Sneakity, peekity, deekity, weekity. The man who killed. Ice in Moscow. Gold fire. The girl who died. Gun in the moon. Gold of volcano. The girl who failed. Places. place is so quiet i don't even do silence anymore oh that's so uh oh what nerve <laughs> ah, it might be a mistake we i'll tell you in a bit why uh but here we go